Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Kyle Gara. Marler, this is as good as I've felt on a Monday in quite some time. It really is. Did you sleep in? No, I got up at 6 15. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, we had a Saturday with actual Power 5 football. Uh, sort of. It's debatable, but okay. Love it. The Cubs no hit the Brewers at Wrigley Field North. Okay. Um, that's a win. The Bears came back and stunned the Lions. Sorry, DeAndre Swift. That was <laughs> Georgia. Had a really rough, rough day. <laughs> Return of the Mac is on this Google commercial, and it was played a billion yeah. times over the weekend. It was great. Had people tweeting at me about that. Thank you for that. And Malik Willis is the starting quarterback at Liberty. Going to have a huge year for Hugh Freeze, no doubt about that. But the real kicker is that we've got a pending offer on a house as of this past Friday. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Not a boy. I didn't know that. It's been a banner week. Let me just get you geared up and excited for the fun, fun world that is adulting and buying a house. Now, let me, let me give you some advice from somebody that was uh, a very, very small part in buying a house, uh, as my fiance is much better at being an adult and financially than me. That being said, you're going to want to learn words like escrow. Oh, yeah. Okay? That's not a, a fancy fish appetizer, as I learned. You're going to want to learn what square feet math is. Now, do what I did. Ask Jay Woody to explain it to you, because he mm-hmm. had to explain it to me at 33 years old. Uh, and that's how I learned that last year. But, yeah, what, um, the best thing you can do, man, whenever you, like, you want to show power when you're in these meetings. Walk around and knock on a lot of things and just say, like, stuff like, let's get good bones. We've it. got the inspection on Wednesday that I've got to be there all morning for. Um, and my wife's got, got a couple of calls and stuff for work, so I'll be flying solo on that. But I'm definitely going to be doing a lot of that. I'm going to have the, the termite inspector there as well mm-hmm. with the home inspector there at the same time. So I'm going to be trying to make my presence as alpha as it possibly can be. Do that, yeah. Yeah. Which I don't realize that shirt. like don't wear a shirt. Let ooh. them know you mean like you're not effing around. And I, I think like like from Brooklyn Nine Nine, who's that? Hitchcock. His name Hitchcock. Yeah, the mm-hmm. gross one. He's always taking his shirt off. He's not gross, but if you or he's he's not taken seriously. But if you notice when he takes his shirt off, he starts to be taken a little bit more seriously. Everybody knows that he's in the room when that happens too. Which that's yeah. that's what I want. He's the wild card. Yeah, I want the wild card. card. <laughs> anyway, well, congrats so, on that. Um, let's you. talk about some football stuff. Because I, I also had a strong week, and um, well, this is this is not an ad read. I'm just gonna brag about my gambling. Okay. There we go. Um, this past weekend, myself and Michael Calabrese, uh, who is someone I haven't met with or met, he works with us. He does some articles about gambling stuff. He's like a he's like a very smart better. He does an article for us called Betting Stuff. Mm-hmm. You familiar? Yeah, I read that. He also stuff. works for Action Network, um, so he like he like is legit. We had our first week of picks. Michael had a tough bad beat with the Clemson game, went one and two. Your boy went four and two, and that's not even Solid. including all the side bets that I had. Uh, yeah, I had a great start to the day. Kansas kind of ruined it for me. Kansas was. I, I I said the first tweet I sent out on game day was, "We have twelve hours for somebody to talk me out of betting on t- uh, Kansas," and everyone tried to. Everyone did. You guys are all good people. I didn't listen. I bet on Kansas to beat, you know, I just thought they would beat Coastal Carolina. It was a revenge game <laughs> at home. Couldn't do it. So the person who was calling that Kansas game was Tim Brando and yes. actually was able to record an interview with him before that game that was this past weekend. Recorded this interview last Thursday, and I was flying solo on that one. But that's going to be coming up 
later in the episode. Really good to be able to catch up with him and talk about a bunch of different things. We have all the different Power 5 stuff that we're going to talk about as well that happened over the weekend. We're going to talk even a little bit of Big Ten stuff, which as of right now, 327 on Monday afternoon, has talked about maybe considering a vote eventually. There's momentum. Goodness gracious, it's a mess. And then we have, I think, at least, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to get my playoff picks. You want to join in on that? No. Um, okay. Are we including Are we including uh, the Big Ten? Because I'm going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to, and that can blow oh. up in my face. But I, I'll explain why I won't do that as well later on. So we have a ton to get to today. It is a loaded, loaded podcast. And I'm sure if you have looked at the length of this episode, you're like, oh man, Connor's not lying. It really is loaded today. Before we get to everything that we have coming up, Marler, about three hours ago, had a little little chicken sandwich, put some curry on there. I do that during the, you know, during the the, the frying process. I don't fry, I bake my chicken. But <laughs> add a little Texas Pete, a little spinach. Yep. Had some leftover buns, nice little chicken sandwich, but Ooh. mainly it, it was all about the Texas Pete. Just whatever I could do to be able to eat yeah. some Texas Pete. So, and one of my favorite things about Saturday, and I've always said this about, like, it's it's so great to have a built-in excuse of why you can start drinking in the morning. It's also great to have an excuse of, like, why I can start putting Texas Pete on three meals a day, okay? Mm-hmm. You know that saying, you can't get drunk if you don't start drinking in the morning? Listen, you can't get Texas Pete drunk if you don't start putting on your eggs in the morning on game day. You tailgate with Texas Pete, T, T, and a P. Does that make sense? There's a reason why those letters, are, or why those both both those words start with a T. Terrific. Know. Yeah, there it is. God, seamless transition. I'm glad we practiced that beforehand. So that being said, um, this weekend was fantastic for me because I had Texas Pete with all three to seven meals that I had on Saturday, Hatcher. and it was all of all of them were great, uh, as I'm sure you could have guessed. So go over to TexasPete.com today. Also, send us in your pictures. We, we are on a late start to tailgating because it's kind of an odd year. So send us some tailgating, home gating, whatever you want to call it, solo in the basement gating pics that you have of your Texas Pete, uh, your own recipes. Jenny Bolton is somebody who listens to pod. She's been fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Sends us a lot of her recipes. They're a lot better than mine. Um, I'll just say that. But go to TexasPete.com as well and make sure you are getting new recipes from there. And as always, send us the hashtag sauce like you mean it. Make sure you sauce like you mean it this, uh, this season. There you go. Saturday was great. It was, it was great man. to be able to just watch football on major networks throughout the day. And and not just, you know, the random group of five games where you, you have no idea really yeah. a single player on a team, but to actually sit down and watch Power 5 football. Yes, it was weird that there weren't fans at most of the games or you'd see reduced capacity, whatever, but it was still college football and my goodness, the Sun Belt, the new power conference. What a day for the good old Sun Belt. <laughs> Just another great move by Greg Sankey to avoid the Sun okay. Belt. I, I really knew you were going to say this, and I can't say how much I hate that you're doing this. Because it's like, <laughs> I get it, and it's funny, but we're an SEC podcast, and we would kick every one of those teams' asses besides maybe Vanderbilt. So I will correct you on that. But, oh, my God. Like, we needed the Big 12 to play to have a season, right? Like, that was, like, a, a month ago we were, like, praising, like, thank you so much, Big 12, for being a part of this and, and moving forward. And, and, and when we said it, it was kind of like, it, like, have you, ever, have you ever gone, like, when you were when you were broke on, like, a bachelor party or something? Like, hey, we should get, like, 
a cabana. But like, I don't have that much room in my credit card for this cabana. Like, if we You've get four people, we're in. You've told no, the story. No, that's my before. birthday that I should not have had to pay for that cabana. I'm talking about in general. When you were younger and like, hey, can we go halves on this or can we go like thirds on this? You <laughs> gotta have that third guy that you really don't want to be there, but he's there for reasons. You know? Oh, it's like, so like, yeah. Do you get I, it now? It is. I know. I know what you're saying. <laughs> okay. I know. So, like, we should definitely get that tower uh, of, of seafood uh, for the appetizer, but I can't afford it on my own. Does anybody want to split it with me? That's what the Big 12 is doing for, for this season. It's like when you have an odd number of people in your fantasy league and you need that one extra person that you know this person's just going to get trucked. Connor, you talk that's a much better example. <laughs> you talk them into coming into your league, and then three weeks in you're like, yeah. yep, that was free money. That's yeah. essentially what the Big 12 is right now. Very good point. That's a much better example. So yeah, and, and when you when they decided to join, you were like, "Yeah, we don't need them." But that's, thank you so much for being here. It's great. Thank you for your service. Put your money at the front door. Um, they they embarrassed themselves because because we knew what Oklahoma was going to do. Oklahoma did Oklahoma things. <laughs> we, we knew what was going to happen there. We'll get to Texas, Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. But I I mean I was looking at those lines on on the day of, and I was like, Kansas State doesn't. That I don't like that setup. Everyone, everyone was. It was funny because I always feel. I feel like I hear for the past two seasons, Iowa State could be a dark horse. Iowa State oh, could jump that's up me. and surprise that's some people. Me. Yep. And, well, and, and Dari, Dari Noka said it last year. He's like, mm-hmm. Iowa State could jump up and surprise some people. And and then you start seeing like like actual betters and gamblers and Bear Felica and all these guys. It's like hard. I mean, hard and heavy on betting mm-hmm. on um, who are the uh, Louisiana Lafayette or Louisiana now, not Louisiana Lafayette. And I mean, because they returned a lot of talent on that yes, team, and so then you look at it, I was like, I was like, Kansas, that money line is so low. There's no way Les Miles is going to lose to Coastal Carol. I don't even know what a Chanticleer is. And no all chance. three of them, all they kept saying chance, and I was really over it. Mm. Um, but all three of them, dude, the Big Twelve started out their entire season with those noon games, zero and two versus the Sun Belt. That's how they, the whole season started for them. Not great for the brand. Definitely not great for the brand oh, to lose to three different Sun Belt teams. The the Kansas loss to Arkansas State. Okay, uh, Kansas State has had even considering what we evaluate as weird this offseason, Kansas yeah. State with some oh, of God. the the protests and some of the the some of the the COVID related absences and shutdowns that they've had. Very odd offseason, even considering these circumstances. But Good for Louisiana Lafayette, Louisiana ULL, whatever you want to call it. If you call it one thing on social media, they get really offended by what that. What is that about? Yeah, that's a thing. They don't like the rebranding. They don't like that. But good for future South Carolina coach Billy Napier, former <laughs> Alabama assistant, of course. <laughs> Especially they. I mean, they tragically lost assistant DJ Looney in camp, yeah. and that was a really big deal. You kind of it was cool to be able to see them rally around that afterwards and talk about that. But like. Louisiana Lafayette, Raging Cages are are no joke. Like that's an eleven win team last year who yeah. finished in the top twenty in scoring offense and scoring defense. They returned a lot of production in the running game too. But Iowa State, my goodness gracious! Like I was watching that game and I'm like, Awful. sooner or later a receiver will have a yard of separation, and that just never happened. Never that, happened. The offensive play calling in that game, and I hate to be this person already, but like it was so boring and, <sighs> and non creative and just like. Dude, it was what? Slow. What? It was so slow, and it's like they're running it quicksand. This, which is how I would describe the whole state of Iowa. Like those metabolisms up there aren't really aren't really at the speed of light, my bro. Um, but yeah, corn slows you down. Yeah, that's corn true. does, and maybe that's what happened this off season. But um, 
Yeah, you know, it's just like those flyover states had a tough day. And, and I tell you what, I've been saying this for years that we don't need two Dakotas. And I may have been wrong. I, like, I don't, I feel like it's just the epitome of, of just American greed and flex that we're like, you know what? We don't even need it, but let's have a second Dakota. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe we didn't, maybe we did need a second Dakota after all. And Kansas, we don't need Kansas. Maybe we need a third Dakota, like South, South Dakota. And that can be the new Kansas, because Kansas as a state sucks. And they, they have proven to, to really provide nothing besides flat roads uh, in that movie um, about the witch and Toto. What's it called? Tornado. Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, Twister. call it. Twister is what I was going to oh, say, but yeah, yeah, that's the same thing. Um, but yeah, I, they, they, that whole state sucks. Les Miles is now 3-10 in Kansas. <laughs> he has two losses to Coastal Carolina and three total wins. <laughs> He has averaged <laughs> 15 points against Coastal Carolina. How, Les? Come Dude, on, so man. He's, I love watching Les Miles. He's a great guy. And, and you can tell it, like, it was like hurting Timmy, Timmy Brando that, that he was having to call this game. And, and by the way, uh, the amount, he, he, he referenced the, the shot, the, the touchdown against um, Auburn that I always tell you about that I love so much from 2007, mm. where they threw it up with one second left. Um, it was uh, silver lining. It, it was cool that Les was still inept on offense, but without a fullback. That was, I mean, they had, he was just as bad as always, but with four receivers. It's awful. It's awful. It's, it's bad when you're making national headlines for all the wrong reasons like that. And, you know, I, I understand Kansas at slim pickings with the coaching market and all that stuff, but goodness, that was... Uh, Dude, just awful I, for less. I know it's almost 15 years ago now because it's 2007. It's been a while, and and Mark Bangino's years there were. I mean, they've had some big name coaches. They had who's the other fat guy? Um, Charlie Weiss. Don't hate on Charlie Weiss's weight. He's huge. Big boned. <laughs> That's it's got a lot of extra bones. Um, but yeah, he um, he was there. They've had some big names. And Mark Mangino's a guy that got him to a BCS Bowl, went to the Orange Bowl. They were ranked in the top five for a lot of that season. Like, they, they were a good they were a good program for, like, a, a brief moment in time. And I don't think there's a lot of sustainability in that necessarily. But what was concerning to me is you talk about a Power Five. We, we, we keep talking about how Power Five teams are, like, where the strength of college football is. And I think that's obviously true for a lot of reasons. But that bottom tier, like, maybe the, the bottom – 10%, 20% of those teams, and I'm talking about Vandy, who got beat by UNLV last year. I'm talking about Kansas, who has looked like to against Coastal Carolina two years in a row. Coastal Carolina flat out physically dominated them. They, Coastal Carolina had everywhere on the field, besides maybe running back, had better athletes than Kansas. And it that's, showed. That's kind of what it looks like, too, with Iowa State, Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah. I mean, looks like a, a team that was... Physically, very much on that same level, there was not this divide that you expect to see in these in some right. of these Power Five, Group of Five matchups. Is the Big Twelve canceled? Um, they're an easy target. <laughs> yeah. It's fun to joke around, but like, it's worth at least keeping in mind. I, I don't think that they're if they're canceled, it's not necessarily because three teams lost opening weekend when right. last year the SEC had three teams lose to Group of Five teams. Mm-hmm. opening weekend as well but this also still echoes the belief that the sec because it's not having to, to have these these non-conference yeah. games what's really going to change about the sec conversation this year i don't think a whole lot i really don't yeah i, I think 
you know, we talked about last week, and I said I, I thought the ACC had a better chance of getting two teams in the SEC. I, I might stand corrected on that for watching some of the ACC this week. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. But, um, but I will say the, the Big 12 is, and not to use the old Denny Green line here, but, like, they are who we thought they were. I mean, like, it's, it, I love the, the – to be fair, I love the point you just brought up about how the SEC also lost to three group of five teams last year. And, like, the, the Big 12 did it this year. And, and on a side note, it was cool to see, like, anybody that's, like, chiming, like, this whole UCF train from three years ago, how they should have gotten a chance to play for it. I love the fact that these teams physically beat the other teams. Like, it wasn't, like, gimmicky offenses and, and like, any kind of craziness like that. Like, they just went out and played football and were better than those other teams. That being said, we knew what the Big 12 was going to be. Like, the Big 12 was going to be Texas yeah. and Oklahoma, the winner of that game, and it's most likely going to be Oklahoma. It's going to go to the first round of the playoffs and get their brains beat in and then and then go home for just in time for New Year's. That's mm-hmm. that's what we knew that was going to happen. So this shouldn't have surprised a lot of people. Let's talk about Oklahoma and Texas because Oklahoma had, like, 13 dudes out. Didn't really matter, of course. It, they still looked the part. I know it was Missouri State. Spencer Rattler, though. I don't know if you oh saw God. some of these throws. Holy cow. I am now officially bummed that we're not going to get to see Oklahoma face a real defense all regular season until yep. they get to the playoff and inevitably lose in the semifinal, as you just said. But Spencer Rattler, man, he was really, really fun to watch make some of these plays. When I, you know, I'm, of course, going to be that guy where if I haven't seen them do it against yep. competi- college competition, I'm still going to be skeptical. I need to. We still need to see how he does against you know big time, big time teams, of course. But some of these throws that he's making, even if they're against air, are absurd. I didn't really, see really any good. of those. I mean, maybe just oh, I didn't they, see enough were. of the the yeah yeah because there was one that was like I think Jesse Palmer was talking about the the deep ball he threw for a touchdown, and it wasn't a spiral. It was it was a great accuracy, I guess, for a guy who was running 15 yards free. Like I mean, it was that, but that's like I saw three throws. I saw three throws. I mean, I, like. I did so you didn't cheap. pay fifty five dollars. <laughs> I dude, I tell you what, brother. If, if I'm paying fifty five dollars for a, for a pay per view thing, the Undertaker Undertaker better damn well be making an appearance. Like that, there's just absolutely there? no way. I don't know. He, I don't. I think he's a Texas fan. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure. So without a doubt, I did not pay fifty five dollars for that. I can't. I couldn't even get the ACC Network because they hate. Oh, I do. You get the ACC. We're going to fight. I'm in Orlando. That, that's kind of passable. There's Florida State fans here. I'm in between Florida State and Miami, so it kind of makes sense to be able to get that. But. Regardless, I, I was pissed because it's like first game that I wanted to watch Miami UAB on Thursday. Couldn't see that. I wanted to watch. Like, dude, just do what the SEC does. No offense, I've seen there because we love you guys. But put your games on there so I can see the fun ones. Like, it should, the first game of the year shouldn't be on there. Yeah, I, I just don't get me. it. I, I just, yeah, I didn't like that. But I will say... Looking at the stat sheet, and I forgot how much I love betting on Oklahoma and, and Clemson too in first the first half. quarter and first yeah. half of games. Oklahoma at the end of the first quarter, did you see the stats? I, I posted it on Twitter. They have like 300 passing yards at the end of the first quarter. It was 31 to nothing. They had 286 total yards to yeah. one one yard from Missouri State. Ah, yard, one yeah. more than we had. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Texas is back, so so back. Uh, by back, I mean back to beating up on crappy competition. Yeah. Sam Ellinger looked ready to roll. It kind of made me wonder. It's UTEP, all right. Like it's. I'm not gonna get carried away, but I've wondered yeah. about this for the last couple months. Just just throwing this out there and shoot this down. And I'm not saying that I'm married to this take, but it's something that I've been thinking about. Just give the take. Can he be 2017 Baker Mayfield? 
Oh. Can he have a year like that? I think he lost a little bit too much at receiver. Devin DuVernay, Colin Johnson, losing those guys really hurt. But I am excited to see Joshua Moore, who mm-hmm. first played from scrimmage. Wow, that dude that kid. is quick. I remember Slowly. spending time with him at IMG three years ago, mm-hmm. and I was like, whatever happened to that kid? And then searched this past year and saw that he was suspended for a weapons charge, and he was like playing his first football game since 2018 after he had like a limited year. So he's like one of those guys that's expected to, to step up. But just kind of wondering with Ellinger if all of these things that have gone on with this this year, if he's the type of guy that's going to all of a sudden emerge, like if we haven't necessarily seen the best of him. Because that defense last year was so inexperienced. And they were a disaster with Todd Orlando yeah. at D.C. But now that he actually has an offensive coordinator who isn't Tim Beck, um, I, I kind of think that he's going to have a chance to do some big things, but I don't know. Is this year three, Herman, or is year four? This is year four of Herman. Year four of Herman, okay. Um, no, when you said 2017 Baker Mayfield, my first thought was no, because Sam Ellinger doesn't have that kind of likability. Um, so from like a fan standpoint. <laughs> did Baker, though? Baker was putting yeah. flags at Ohio State. There was did, a lot man, of people that didn't anybody like outside of Columbus loved that move, because F Ohio State and F that game, they got beat by 17 points and still tried to argue they should be in the playoff at the end of the year. Yeah, Regardless. but he was like he was like grabbing his nuts against Kansas and all that. That was stuff awesome. Too. They Kansas didn't Kansas went up. Kansas of all teams didn't want to shake his hand. I would have done the same thing. That probably made it more graphic. But it, like I probably wouldn't grab my nuts. But like but him <laughs> him walking up and down the like as soon as he came up and tried to shake their hand and they said no and his instant reaction was that clap. I was like oh god it's about how to be you, on. How would you have made it more graphic? Do I want to know? I I would have been on the feet. I would have probably done the DX second sign. But I'm just saying like. The language, all we heard him say was F you, F you. The oh, amount yeah. of F words that would have came, I would have been in their huddle, like just rubbing it in their face. I mean, listen, I, didn't, I wasn't that kind of athlete from a athletic standpoint. From a petty standpoint, 1,000%, yeah. I would, have, I would have, have gone off the rails on that. Regardless, Baker was more likable because he's a former walk-on. He transferred to Oklahoma, won for the sure. starting job. And then, you know, and, and, and for whatever reason, I think... Because of the we're back thing. Yeah, exactly. People hate hate Texas now, like on a global scale, because Tom Herman's an asshole and because of that. Like, it's just, you know, I, I don't, I, I think that kid is a really good kid. Sam Ellinger is like a really good dude. If you follow him on Twitter and like kind of see like what he's done this offseason with like his community and, and like like how we kind of try to spread his faith. And, and I, I hate that I just brought that up on the heels of calling Tom Herman an a-hole. But regardless, like he just... He, I think he's a really good kid, so he, he deserves all of that. He has, I, I don't think he has enough around him. Yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing that I wonder about, is that as opposed yeah. to that Oklahoma team in 2017, which was just loaded with skill player talent and probably the best offensive line in college football that year. Yeah, as true. Well. Um, by the way, did you see oh. that Texas had a kid, B.J. Foster, who just like quit the team in the third quarter, just like walked off. He was upset with playing time. This is a starter too, not just like a, a random reserve. And he apparently rejoined the team and everything, but he did like the college version of Devontae Davis thing where it was looking like people are like, did he just opt out in the middle of the third quarter of a game, yeah. an actual football game in which Texas was up by like 40 points or something like that? Ugh. Not great. Yeah, not great. that's not. I, <laughs> you know what's funny is that I saw this past weekend one of those tear-jerking moments where a walk-on gets a scholarship, and it was Tom Herman. And it was like, oh, cool, this guy's like, and like he was like talking to the parents. He's like, you guys should be very proud of your son. You've raised a phenomenal young man. I was like, wow, look at Tom Herman out here being likable. 2020 is crazy, y'all. And then <laughs> this weekend happens, and he has a player quit in the middle of the game. I was like, maybe not. All right, never mind. Right. <laughs> maybe just, not. Maybe not. 
Another team that you might not find likable, Clemson Tigers. Let's be honest. The ACC sure. is still Clemson and everyone else. I don't have a ton of crazy thoughts about Clemson. That secondary kind of struggled, all things considered. But Clemson, in my opinion, could have won that game 63 to nothing. That Travis Etienne, I had last year coming into 2019 as my best back in America, even ahead of Jonathan Taylor. I just think watching him and watching the way that he's developed, especially the way that he runs between the tackles now, he is so, so good. And you're just reminded, how many times did it feel like you saw on Twitter somebody say, Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence, is that's an unfair combination. I still think it's a very against the defensive lines in the ACC. Travis Etienne is oh, the best gosh. back in the country, and I hate to say that, but like, because I think he's very good. But I, I, I started to realize this weekend, like, he is, he has had the benefit, and he, again, phenomenal running back. Like, may go in the first round, may deserve to, may have an incredible NFL career. Breakaway speed, like, like a, a sprinter from high school. I don't know if you guys ever remember the Mac Brown moment when they were playing Syracuse a couple years ago when he was a freshman and he tried to like give off ETN's resume and he couldn't pronounce his name. Um, a phenomenal back. But the more I think about it, the more I see it, like Clemson has the best offensive line in the ACC every year, right? They have the most talent in the ACC every year. The defensive lines he's playing in those games, like like there are holes that open for Travis ETN that I, you just don't see for other, other backs. Like Jonathan Taylor was a better running back than him last year. Um, I, I think, and I'm not trying to like say, this is a terrible take because he's a very good running back. I just think that after after this season, especially, I think we're really going to be like, man, the competition he faced. I don't know, like he, he's he's a guy that's going to really benefit from who's who he's around. Like I mean, like and he's good for him for maximizing on that. But like, I I, I there was nothing in this game that was like Travis Etienne's what makes that that team go. Trevor Lawrence is so damn good. How many times does Trevor Lawrence run that RPO and you're just like, hey? Jake Fromm should have been doing this this exact way for a long time. And he would just never t- – like, how many times did, Tre- did Trevor Lawrence just have – well, he had the two basically walk-in touchdowns off yeah. the RPO. Yeah. And now that he's added that to his game, he is he's so freaking good. I know people are going to hate on him, but he's he's incredible. I So, one, whenever Trevor, Trevor Lawrence plays, I, I don't ever think of Jake Fromm, mainly because of the hair being so good on one of those players and the other one on the other – like, not. You really hate on that Jake Fromm receding hairline. I hate that very, hairline. Yeah, I hate that do. hairline. Um, regardless, so Trevor Lawrence, this is like, I, I kind of thought, like, yeah, kid's good, freshman year, goes undefeated, but he, you know, won the national championship, and, and that, like, petty me was, like, still bitter about that national championship game, and there was a pass last season that did it for me, where Trevor Lawrence was playing in Atlanta against Clemson, and he rolled out across his body. Um, Who was he against? Like, you said he was against Clemson. I'm oh, sorry, he was against Georgia Tech. They were, gotcha. they were in Atlanta against Georgia Tech. Rolled out to his left and threw a, a 20-yard touchdown to a receiver in the, the front corner of the end zone, and they exit velo from his hand was 61 miles an hour, which was mm-hmm. harder than anyone else had thrown a ball, I think, like that entire season. It was like eight quarterbacks in the NFL. Had thro- he threw it rolling out to his left. He does that better than anybody football. in college football. It's so, it's, so impressive. It, flick of the wrist, whatever you, like, whatever you want to call it. That kid, he, you, when you were watching it, the first, the first series they had negative 12 yards, and I had some fun with that on social media, but... When he's back there, it's just it's one of those things where you're it's it's almost like watching someone play that football target game at like Chuck E. Cheese where there's like a like a like or skee ball where it's like here's a hundred points up here here's fifty forty like is he just gonna like dink and dime for like you know thirty and forty every time no like he he can really has the arsenal and the talent around him especially 
to just wherever he wants. Is it going to be a deep ball that he's going to put right in money? Sure, if he wants it. Is it going to be intermediate route for like 15, 20 yards? Sure, if he wants it. Like, it just, everything he does is so elite and better than everyone else, like, I, I, I think in college football that position. Justin Who? Fields is not on the same, same planet as him, in my opinion. He's really important, good, too. Important question here. Who doesn't go big in skee-ball? I mean, Connor, who are those I'm people? Trying to win. Who I like are those listen. People? The what I like to do is I like to get a rhythm going, get hit forty three to four times in a row, and then once I'm building up points, okay, people are like, fair. "Oh damn, guy!" Then I'm like, you know what? Let me show it off a little bit. Or if I'm playing against you, and I see that you're already up by hundred points on me for some unknown reason, then I start panicking and start going for the hundred every time. That's how you got to do it. Just saying, <laughs> got to go big or go home. I watched a good amount of Notre Dame's ACC debut. I really nice. did. The Irish were up 17-13 to 13 with 11 minutes left at home against Duke. Yikes. Ian Book wow. lost basically like all of his pass catchers from last year, and it shows. Really, really shows. Chase Claypool is gone. Cole Clement's gone. Both top 50 picks. They lost their slot receiver. This is all you need to know about Notre Dame's receiver situation and why I'm very much like, eh, I don't think this is the year that the Irish are going to make a push to the playoff or anything like that. A Northwestern grad transfer has five times as many FBS yards as any returning Notre Dame receiver. Yeah. And, th- and that same Northwestern grad transfer got hurt in the first half. So, I, not great. Well, I think the, the bigger telling statement about how like overrated maybe this, this uh, Notre Dame team might have been from what we thought was in the first half they had 32 yards rushing against Duke. And, and, I, and we keep saying that against Duke like Duke sucks. Listen – First game of the year, you can guarantee yourself that that Cutcliffe had this one circled. Cutcliffe is a fantastic coach. Duke is a, is a good football team. Like Duke's going to bowl games, like on like a yearly basis, right? Mm-hmm. I'll just say it. Nobody else wanted to seem to bring it up. Opening your season with Duke, maybe not as easy as we there thought, guys. There it is. Maybe not as easy as we thought. Um, no, I, I don't think we should really take as much away from Duke because I think they they looked like a good football team with talent, like at at the receiver position, at the quarterback position, looked pretty good. Was it Chase Bryce? Yes, yes, the country singer name. Chase Bryce. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that ain't my truck. Um, Chase Bryce, yes, country country music sensation. He looked good. The defensive line looked really good. And and there was, I think the issue for me was, they kept talking about after this how Ian Book, Ian Book was, was he added like running to like, like another dimension to his game. And it was like, yeah, <laughs> running for his life, dude. Like he was not, yeah. he, they were in the backfield all day against him. And I, I think... It's game one. We don't need to overreact, but man, Notre Dame, a, a team that just constantly has everything handed to them on a silver platter, playing a, a first game of the season at home against Duke, and they look like that. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily the ACC schedule that's going to make them not reach maybe a college football playoff or something like that. I, I truly think it's the it's the lack of depth yeah. with the pass catchers, and it's a little bit similar to, again, I'll reference Jake Fromm, what Jake yeah. Fromm kind of went through last year, and there are throws at Ian Book making in that game where it's just like he is not on the same page as all these no. guys and continuity in an offseason like this seems pretty important yeah unc's offense with sam howell had some issues against syracuse super super slow start after that perfect opening drive and i'm saying this as somebody who i loved sam howell's preseason heisman odds all over that i i was saying like if i'm gonna bet on someone in the preseason to win the heisman trophy give me somebody like sam howell as opposed to the favorites hate Hate, hate betting on the yeah. preseason Heisman favorites. He had a couple of bad interceptions. Bad interceptions. That was a 10-6 to 6 game in the fourth quarter at home 
against the Syracuse team that yeah, has just was, been Hunter. a mess all offseason. Not good. Not good. I think Mac Brown's still just a really, really good coach. Chaz mm-hmm. Surratt leading that defense is going to give them a shot to win a bunch of games. Look at UNC's schedule and tell me how they don't get to 8-2. and two. It's bad. I don't have I mean, their schedule in front of me. Oh, their schedule, their schedule doesn't feature Clemson in the regular season. That's I stupid. think they face... I think they face Notre Dame. Uh, I think they face them like late November, something like that as well. Knowing Notre Dame, it'll be like the day after UNC has to play somebody else. Like we had to move it up, dude. We had to play on Sunday. That's the only day we can do it. <laughs> but UNC could be this team, and I, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but they were the team that, along with Iowa State, that I kept saying in in the preseason, hey, if there's a surprise playoff team that we're going to look up, yeah. we're going to be like, how do they get to nine and one? That's going to oh, be. Oh wow, them. you're right. Holy. Yeah, okay. right? So I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this now. They have Charlotte this weekend who looked pretty good against App State. Um, powerhouse. Powerhouse, yes, without a doubt. Uh, then it says, okay, so Boston College, Vatek, um, they're at Florida State who could turn it around. We'll talk about mm. it in a second. NC State, that's a win. Virginia At Virginia, maybe? I don't know. It's not easy for anybody to go to Charlottesville these days. Uh, Duke, Wake Forest, those are wins in my opinion. They're at Duke. I don't know. Like the ACC is just not great, and from what I saw in that entire first half, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about Florida, North Carolina, going from most overrated team in the country preseason to hey, they had a good fourth quarter. They look as good as advertised. <laughs> I, like they were going up against Syracuse, and Syracuse is, is trash. But like, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think like I remember, like, and this is another reason why I hate. I've always wanted to go to all the ACC football stadiums because in the fall because. Those cities seem beautiful for that time of year, and the and the foliage and all that kind of stuff. Okay. When people tell me how it's difficult to play in the ACC, it blows my mind. And we were talking about this with somebody this weekend, and they were like, "I tell you what, it's not easy going to Chestnut Hill." I'm like, "For what? Traffic? Like, what, what are you talking about? Ch- like to play Boston College? To get alcohol on Sunday? Is that yeah?" <laughs> Like, what you talking about, dude? Um, yeah, so maybe, I mean, you're right, though. This UNC team, this this is a team, much like we said before, A&M's got their schedule change. This could be a team that is 9-0, 8-0 at the end of the season. Yeah, we're just like, oh, that's the second best team in the ACC. It was not a good weekend for the second best dude. team in the ACC argument. Like, if Dabo was yeah. trying to spin that, the whole, hey, don't mess with the ACC, we just have a lot of good a lot of good teams that are just going to beat up on each other, it was not a good weekend no. for that argument he, at all. He needs to start really owning just the skull dragging that they do in that conference every weekend and just go on there. Also, quick, quick fun fact, they get Notre Dame at home with a week off beforehand. Yeah, it sets up so, so wow. well. It really does. Florida State, how is it, how is it that Florida State, for the fourth year in a row, still can't block a soul? That's a thing. Don't know if you saw a ton of that game, but that was pretty evident. Or if you just decided to watch the final 53 minutes and 16 seconds and see that Florida State couldn't score a touchdown at home against a three-win team, you you could see that there as well. I feel pretty terrible for guys like Marvin Wilson and Asante Samuel Jr. These guys who just ball defensively. They're not a bad defensive team. They really aren't. They haven't been bad defensively the last couple years. But holy crap, they are a train wreck on offense. They make me so mad to watch on offense. Oh, gosh, they're terrible. First off, before you start spewing all this Florida State hate, 
let's let's I want to I should have stopped you this on Saturday when you tweeted this out. Again, let's stop saying I tweeted a, a fact against a three-win team. They were a three-win team last year. Georgia Tech returned 20 starters this season. Georgia Tech is a different football team in year two of Jeff Collins. They had a top 25 recruiting class. Let's stop sitting here. The, let, let's take ownership as the media and be like, you know what? Maybe we effed up. Like, somebody having in Georgia went off about it the week, last week about how, and now I'm getting all fired up, Connor. I got I to gotta slow myself down. You got to slow but the ATL people, down right now. Yeah, for real, man. It's going to be hard to do, <laughs> except for if you're a Falcons fan. Um, so Georgia Tech was voted unanimously 15th out of a 14-team conference because Notre Dame is – like lodged on in there this year georgia tech was picked last in this conference they were a three-win team last year their over under from vegas before the uh, the schedule was changed was was i think two two and a half again let me say 20 returning starters a top 25 recruiting class started a true freshman at quarterback in, in a guy that was their head coach was was a finalist for the Broyles award at three separate schools think about that Jeff real. Collins can coach. I'm not hating on any of that. I'm not Where's hating on any of that. Wears some skinny pants, some skinny jeans. Like, Jeff Collins is a baller, all right? He does have a receding hairline. We're going to let that slide. Um, Don't hate on the receding hairline, <laughs> I'm just, man. I'm just hating on Jake Frog. So, but the bottom line is, like, Florida State struggled. I think this, is, this was a game that you saw it happening early. Florida State, on that first drive, went right down the field. Like, they went right down the field, marched down the field, and scored. Scripted plays. Lightning. Yep. Yep, lightning. Yeah, script. That's the best way to put it. Scripted plays when there's zero adversity really facing you, and they were able to do what they were planning on doing. Man, we saw a, a program that looked like when everything was able to go their way, things finally looked back to normal. Like Florida, that, that offense looked good in my opinion. Lightning delay for 30 minutes to an hour, or whatever. You come back out to finish the first quarter, everything changed. Like you, it just you. I don't think Mike Norvell. Is, is good on, on his feet. He obviously isn't from a social media standpoint or policy. Nice. Um, uh, he's he's a guy that I think is, is a fantastic offensive mind and a great play caller. All those things. He's good. But you can't you can't play you can't sit here and say, well, he doesn't have his his players yet because the dude was at Memphis. Okay, if, if Darrell Henderson's having two thousand yard running or two thousand yards rushing and twenty eight touchdowns or whatever it was in a season. There's got to be somebody on that roster that you could do that with. And and listen, I'll I will walk back the the criticism I've had for so long about about like that that offensive line was in shambles. Having a defensive lineman having to play at guard in a primetime football game two years ago, I blame that all on Jimbo Fisher. We can't still blame all this we on can. Jimbo Fisher, man. This is it's crazy. Not. Like th- this not. is you and like and it. I tell you what, this whole. What have you done for me lately? Knee-jerk reaction. you got to win right now. Blah, 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 blah. They pulled with Willie Taggart. Sorry. The stuff they pulled with Willie Taggart where they fired him for 21 games. And Willie Taggart wasn't a great coach. Maybe he wasn't the right fit or whatever. But the fact that you do that, you damn well better come out your first game of the new, new administration and have a win. And I know that everyone looked at this and was like, well, Tech is a three-win team. They're a double-digit underdog. I, God, I, I bought those points just as soon as I saw Oh, them I know hard. you did. I, I know you did. I was fired up. And I, listen, Tyler Huck, Rich Janowski, my boys that are big Florida State fans, all that kind of stuff. I, was, I love you guys. I was pulling so hard for Georgia Tech in this game. This was so cool to see for, for, for Jeff Collins. And, I, and listen, Georgia fans, I know you guys are going to give me crap on this because Georgia does own Georgia Tech. That's fine. Georgia Tech is going to turn – he's turning this program around. I said it last year. Yeah, said it last year. He was going to be the right person for that job. But I went to that Thursday night game against Virginia, and they were playing knuck if you buck before kickoff, and I was like, oh, blank. 
we got ourselves a coach and a, and a new culture around here. And I, and I love it. I'll tell you what. I'm going to say this right now. I, I, this is a little bit of the wrestling promoter, T-Bob A. Bear me. Florida better be glad they don't have to play Georgia Tech because Georgia Tech owns that state, okay? Beat Florida State, beat Miami. They're going to beat UCF this weekend. You might want to change that state flag to, from the Tropicana logo or whatever it is now to a, to a little bzz, bzz and bee. All right. There you go. Fair enough. Florida State, in the last, well, three-plus seasons, since the start of 2017, is 10-15 oh, and 15 no. against the ACC. 10-15! and 15. Not good. Not good. They've won 40% of their ACC games. They're 1-11 against the top 25 since the start of 2017. 1-11. You know, Connor, it's not even that. These are incredible stats, and people hate when you bring up facts. I'll say it. All I did was tweet out a fact about Florida State the other day. If you want to interpret that as as me hating on Florida State, I'm no, sorry. Just the, don't it's watch the, the other stuff, the gloves, and, and we, they are they're easy target. You're right. I they're hate on target. what they did on social media because yeah. it, for what what they did for essentially a year on social media was shoot themselves in the foot at every possible turn and try and act yeah. like they were this power that like all of a sudden should just be like we should bow down at the foot yeah. of Florida State when it's like. No, I understand why you're trying to go for that angle because you've basically been crap for the last three seasons. Yeah. But at this point, you can't really continue to try and spin it like you're a top five program in the country when you're very, very mediocre right now. Hey, dude, listen, I'm 34, and I probably should. I'm probably a little bit too old to be running social media for our company. And 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 that hopefully boss didn't hear that because I, I love it and I think I'm really good at it. But that being said, <laughs> I'm not the best at it. But I can tell you this: if you if you are looking for any kind of sage advice this week. Then yes, it, it is. It is. Don't put Florida State receiver gloves on MLK with the caption "Do something." <laughs> like, yeah, you're spot on right on that. I think the issue with Florida State, going back to like the actual football talk, the 10 and 15 is terrible against the ACC. You're right. The the one and 11 against the top 25. These are all things that are you can kind of look at and be like, well, you know, like find an excuse as to why. Like Clemson's a tough team. They were rebuilding under after Jimbo, and then they had a new new coach for whatever. The, the quarterback was injured, all those things. For me, it's it's the way they've lost these games they should have won. The games they lost to Miami, that, that like coming down to the wire where you allow like a last second touchdown or get – they I forgot where it was, but it was in Florida State. Just these things, the way you lost to Tech, the, they, they have – from a, from a cultural standpoint in that program, and, and you, you're right about Marvin Wilson and Asante Samuel, like, good for those guys for, for being leaders that, that really wanted to and tried their best to be a part of, like, the change in that program. They're, like, ma- making, you know, blocking kicks and making interceptions and, like, Dude. doing everything in their power. And he meanwhile, blocked two. <laughs> yeah, he blocked two kicks. Asante Samuel had a couple picks. Like, yeah. they're doing everything, and their offense is just like, yeah, y'all, y'all got it, right? Right? Right. <laughs> Um, with all those good skill player talent in the state of Florida, I just I don't yeah, get it. I don't get it. It doesn't point. make sense. It's I think you're right, and it, it is it is sad to watch. But uh, man, it, 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 from silver lining again, Connor, it was fun to see those the sad fans, first sad fans of the season. Oh <laughs> man, that non socially distanced crowd was really sad. Yeah, it was, was they really kind of earned sad. it, huh? Yeah, they just like all moved down to the first section. They're, like when they're showing the graphics on TV, yeah. like Florida State, Florida State fans are just like blatantly disregarding all of them. They're like, they will require everyone to wear a mask during this in stadium. Right. I don't know how enforceable all this stuff is going to be. Don't say that. I, I don't know really like how that's going to work. Georgia, Bama. Oh, I mean, they'll totally have everything taken care of, and it will be perfectly fine, and you will be safe. I can guarantee you hear that, that. babe. <laughs> 
All right, and that was talking Florida State. Thank you, Tyler Huck. I'm sorry. For it wasn't him, dude. Words. It wasn't him. All right. Well, Tyler Huck's going to be coming on this podcast probably sometime soon for some winning and boozing, maybe. No? Tyler Huck sent me a text this weekend. You know what, guys? You know, you know what? I'm glad you brought it up. He didn't say a word. He didn't say a word about you, I promise. Right. Um, so don't call out Tyler Huck. That's my boy. First off. Second off, I'm, I need y'all's help. This is a situation like, Connor, you've now seen this movie, like Hook, where um, Tinkerbell. Oh yeah, Tinkerbell, when she gets dramatic. And, yeah, well, that's not, I'm still divided. I'm still talking about Tyler, but yes, yeah, she was. We, we can talk about that another day. Not enough was made about that. She was a hoe. Yep. Um, okay, so <laughs> Tinkerbell was a hoe. Might be our hottest take on this on this podcast. <laughs> um, okay, so here's the deal. Tyler Huck, one of my favorite people in the world, one of my best friends. Um, we had planned on doing winning and boozing this week. Or next week, going into the games, whatever. And it was Connor's idea, meant a lot to me. That's kind of like my baby, and I always always want to do winning and boozing. It's, it's a, one of my favorite things. Tyler has told me, sent me a text this weekend, and he said, after watching this game today, I'm done with football for the season. This has been building for years. Dang. I want to say this is too much for me to handle. Got a, got a newborn, just turned two, I think. So Congratulations, Tyler. Yeah. Um, so he's like, I'm just not going to do this to myself this year. I've got too many other things going on. Uh, I'm done with football for the year. So what I need from you guys is just like Tinkerbell. When they had to, what, they had to clap? They had to clap or tell her she was pretty, so she started, started playing alive again. I need everyone on here to go to Twitter, um, wherever it is, okay? And, and I, I mean this. I will send you a sticker if we can help change this man's mind. Um, go find Tyler Huck. Tell him we still want him to be a part of the season. And to not give up on football. Not even if it's just for winning and boozing. So it's for a fan. Everyone deserves to go through pain. All right? Maybe not this much, but... We need to give him some sort of half-hearted compliment about Florida yeah. State. Like, oh, like... Oh, Let's say Stanley. one nice thing. Let's say one nice thing. Yeah, you'll live forever. Oh, Stanley, you'll live forever. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Tyler Huck. It's, it's at Tyler Huck on Twitter. I, I need you guys to hit him up immediately to change his mind. Let's say one nice thing. Let's say one good thing about Florida State. I think, I already said my nice thing about Florida State. I think defensively, they're actually really good. I think they're going to make a okay. lot of plays this year. Just offensively. Okay, that's it. We're, we're cutting it off at that. Just defense is yeah. good. I'll, I'll, think from, I'll think about mine. Think about it. Think about it. Come back to that. <laughs> come back to that later. All right. Our friends over at MyBookie, I'm sure, I'm sure they kept so many of our listeners busy over the weekend when there was there was NFL games to be able to bet on as well. I mean, it was you had NBA playoffs. That did not go well for me. Yeah, expecting on the NFL week one, just flip a coin for all your picks. That's... No, that's when that's when Vegas loses most of their money. Oh, I didn't it's, know that. Yes, they Vegas has not profited until last year. Vegas has not profited for like eight like eight straight years in the first month of the NFL huh. season. Yeah. Should have been easy. But the Falcons, of course, oh, Steve Sarkeesian's not a great play caller. No, the Falcons suck on offense. It doesn't matter who you put in there. I don't know how. It's pretty bad on defense. I'm not going to do this. They're way, they're way worse on defense than they are on offense, I'll be honest. The, the defense, it blows my mind that we don't have a problem with Dan Quinn. And let me get on the soapbox for a second because Dan Quinn is literally a defensive coach. How in the F do you let somebody – and Russell Wilson's great. And, and I'm, hats off to Bay's team because she's a Seahawks fan. But – the fact that that man came in and threw the same amount of incompletions as touchdowns is unacceptable. I'll say it. I, I was happy to see Tom Brady lose. All right, here's the thing. While I did not have a good NFL Sunday, Saturday was glorious. Was glorious, and it all started last Thursday when the when the NFL or with the NFL 
with our friends at MyBookie. Uh, we talked about this last week. Guys, they were just giving away free money. Chiefs plus 54. What? <laughs> like, that is guaranteed money free in your money. pocket. Sign up with MyBookie today. Uh, using the promo code SCS, they will match your first deposit. So here's the deal. Um, we are not an NFL podcast, but we are going to tell you right now, it is winning season. It's not only football season, it is winning season in football, okay? It, whether it's college or NFL, but especially in the NFL, get on over and join their super contest right away. Now, listen. I know I just said I had I had a tough one yesterday. You could still pick, like, against the spread, not great for me. You could still pick winners, Connor, right? You could pick a winner mm-hmm. if you had to. Uh, my bookie, $100,000 survivor pool begins this week in the NFL. Each week, contestants must select one team to win its game outright. Uh, point spreads are irrelevant. Thank God. Just pick one team to win. Pick one team. If that selected team wins, the entry remains alive, and the contestant selects a team for the following week. If that selected team loses their ties, then they're done. But if you just pick a winner, just one each week, you're moving on. And if you can do it right all season, $100,000 could be in your pocket. So go join my bookie today uh, and use the promo code SCS, like I said, to get that extra initial deposit. So a little peel behind the onion here. We have, us individually, we have different <laughs> relationships with Tim Brando. We can say that, right? <laughs> can, but can I just be honest about it? I, Fire I, away. I, can it really? Yeah, go ahead. Say what you want to say. I don't like Tim Brando. I and I, I here's why. I, I don't. I think Tim Brando is, I'm sure, a really good person. He is in, in, in unbelievably impressive to watch his career. This like how long it's been. I've been watching Tim Brando since I was a kid. Like like he was the guy on CBS that, that would come in and do all this stuff. Tim Brando blocked me on Twitter for something about LSU, about saying he was an LSU homer a long time ago, and it was about him saying like, "Listen, I get it. You, I, I like Bama. I'll defend Bama." I hate when it's this blatant, and I think it is. And I just he addresses he addresses some of the LSU homerism stuff. In the oh, that we have he, he addresses because some you of that. told me he wasn't going to say anything about that. Well, I wasn't going to bring up. Hey, what about <laughs> you being an LSU homer? How does that? I didn't have a moment also where I was able to bring up. Hey, my co-host actually, um, you actually block him on Twitter. <laughs> Any thoughts about kind of change that? There's not a normal yeah. way to be able no, to bring that up with someone. And it was one of those things too, where just the way the the week was set up, like I we had to kind of maneuver away because he's a busy, busy man, and I just, you know, I think you were more well suited for this interview. I'll just like, that's not a bad thing. Like Tim Brando, fantastic at his job, great career, all those kind of things. I don't think me and Tim Brando are necessarily going to be friends, and that's fine. That's, that's totally fine. fine. Yeah, I just my my issue is like you know when when I say when somebody says somebody says like he's a Bama homer, and there's times when I'll bring stuff up on the podcast, and I'm like, man, I I wish I had more like examples of stuff to give because like that's the team i watched growing up a lot and like there's a, a you know i get you kind of default to that watching somebody on watch a kansas versus coastal carolina game and then repeatedly bring up lsu stuff and then put louisiana in their top 10 it's like dude just say it just say it so i don't feel crazy that's we all. address some of the, the preseason <laughs> love for lsu as well this was before, again, this was before Coastal Carolina, Kansas, which he yeah. called for Fox late on Saturday night. This was also before Iowa State puked on its shoes against oh, no. the Asian Cajuns. Yes, which when you listen to this, you're going to be like, wait, Connor, how are you not talking about Iowa State losing? Let's oh, just God. say there's a little story that involves Tim Brando, a Twitter troll, and someone eating poop. That's all you need to know. Oh, no. That's well, all you real, need to know. Real quick, did he also bring up the fact that, like, what was the year that – LSU was going to have to play, oh, the 2011 year, I think. Or maybe it was 2012. It was, it was some game we were watching, and it was like all of a sudden 
out of nowhere, he was like, just a reminder, Oklahoma State should be getting in over over Alabama because of this. And I was like, what? Like, what are you talking? He's whatever. It's fine. He did not bring it up. Again, we have very different relationships with Tim Brando, <laughs> but it was great to catch up with the longtime college sports announcer. So here is our interview with Tim Brando. We're now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is the legendary Tim Brando. Tim, this is going to come out after we've had a full weekend of games, and you'll have already had your first weekend announcing uh, under your belt amidst all this craziness and whatnot. We talked about this the other day with our good buddy Cole Kubelik, and he was saying how he has to quarantine for two days before announcing games. Is that what you're currently doing? Well, uh, I think everyone's got their different protocols. <laughs> I'm yeah. kind of living from moment to moment, and and uh, everything changes along the way. Uh, as an example, uh, en route to my game, uh, as we're taping, and en route to my game uh, last week, which was actually like yesterday. Uh, <laughs> I, I see what I you're was, doing there. I appreciate I was, that. Yeah, I, I'm doing the best I can. I've, I've been in those evergreen situations myself. But uh, I, I was told that... Uh, what we were doing from a protocol standpoint uh, was changing and that uh, this, this is what the change would be. And uh, we all work for public companies, uh, whether, whether they happen to be uh, at ESPN or at Fox, and uh, protocols change from a corporate standpoint. We all have to adjust to them. Plus, we're having to deal with every community we go in, uh, different sets of circumstances. Uh, based on whatever the health codes might be in that particular locale. So uh, what's allowed and what isn't allowed uh, at a different location will change from week to week. Uh, and, and we just have to adapt and understand that. I have, uh, I've done my best because I was doing, um, it was six months ago to the day uh, when the, the Kansas game was played, uh, that I was on hand for from the Big East tournament when we played a half and we're told everything's been called off and sports essentially stopped. So from March 12th to September 12th. And, you know, for a long time we didn't know anything. And then suddenly we started finding out little things here and little things there. And all of a sudden as we got started, oh, my goodness, um, all kinds of changes were being made. Uh, broadcast teams were being rerouted uh, 72 hours away from one game because there was an outbreak to another game, okay? And uh, I think we just have to understand, Connor, uh, regardless of what you're being told to do, okay, and following whatever the protocols are that are in front of you, that you might get a call from uh, somebody in the company that you, you work for that supervises what you do, and they're going to say, well, whatever you were doing, forget that. We're changing it. We're going to do something else. And that's just, that's just the deal. And uh, at least to this point, it appears as though the games I'm doing, I'm going to be uh, on site for. But when I'm asked the question, do you think you'll be on site for every game? I don't. I mean, you just don't know. Yeah. Uh, that's the plan. But the plan, you know, that's the plan. But the plan changes. And, you know, when you're doing a game and there's no crowd, and you're doing a game and there's plexiglass between you and your partner, uh, you might as well be in a studio. It certainly doesn't feel the way it would normally feel. Um, but I, I certainly hope that I can get to the games. 
and want to be at the games as best I can. But even if you get there, because of the protocols in place, your meetings with the coaching staffs that, that you really need and want in terms of your preparation may still be done from a virtual standpoint, okay, whether you happen to be in said city or not. So, look, it's <laughs> the rules have changed, and uh, let's just hope it's an aberration, and uh, next year we get back to normal. But I will tell you this, I'm really glad to be working. I'm really uh, – I, I don't know that whatever word I – don't, I don't know that anything or any time that I've ever done this and um, I've been calling ball games for 49 years uh, since I was 14 years old doing high school games with my dad on radio. Uh, and I've been doing this at this level uh, for four decades, 36 years now I'm starting, now 36 years since my first year at ESPN. So uh, I don't think that what we do as play-by-play broadcasters has never been uh, more important uh, than it is now, uh, because you don't have the, the crowd, you don't have the pageantry, you don't have, uh, you know, we had no one in the stadium other than the essential workers uh, last week. So you got to bring your own energy, your own enthusiasm, and uh, magnificent stories that you have to intertwine into the broadcast as best you can, uh, and do so with judgment uh, that 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 matters because no one wants to be beaten over the head with story after story after story about COVID or story after story after yep. story about social justice. They want a game and they want to enjoy that game, and it's our jobs to bring the game in an enjoyable fashion. So, uh, even though it's a unique set of circumstances and certainly not ideal, I don't think that what we do has ever been more important than it is right now. You know, it's interesting because I think a lot of people, when they watch sports, they don't necessarily take all those things into account. It's just kind of standard. We turn on our TV, our announcer tells us what's happening in a game, and then when the game is over, we turn it off and not knowing that this world to put on sports exists in the production facet that it does. But yeah. especially yeah. during a, a pandemic like this, it's, it's kind of amazing to think about just the week to week and how unknown it is. And we we're talking about this before you even came on about like how, you know, you're still waiting on, on this schedule and you're still kind of wondering, you know, what exactly this season's going to look like and not knowing from week to week is, you know, if you're going to be in person here, if you're going to be broadcasting from a yeah. studio there, like all that stuff. But for, for the normal times, for people like myself, I don't remember a time when you weren't on TV, um, and, and I'm I'm 30 years old, so I'm not I'm not I won't date you I won't date you too much here. We have uh, we have a rewatch podcast series that we do called It Just Meant More, when we look back at all these old SEC games, and pretty much like nine times out of ten, you're doing in studio stuff with all the game breaks, and I've always wondered this whenever we see one of these when we watch one of these games on YouTube or something, when you toss it back to Vern and Gary. You tried to make Vern laugh just about every time, didn't you? Yes, yes. <laughs> or, 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 or give him a nugget of great importance. And, uh, and what's sometimes funny about that was uh, Vern, you know, was a stickler on trying to get back to the game. And I know that down deep, my intrusion was just that to him. Oh my God, we got to go back to Brando. You know, I know he was thinking that, uh, because when I'm in the booth, that's how I feel, you know? So, <laughs> but whenever I would give a nugget that was important, it might've had something to do with the BCS or 
what this would mean to the to said team that's playing because the team I'm doing the update on just lost a game. Uh, there'd be a long pause, and 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 Gary would jump in first because he would get the point, and Byrne would be like, "Okay, it's second and ten. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know and, and, and uh, but but what was always fun was, uh, you know, he would jump on my fly in the ointment uh, and and have fun with that, and you know, we had such a great rapport, and you know, in a lot of ways, Connor, uh, and I had you know, the honor before you were born of starting college game day. Uh, and that was breaking new ground. The first ever pre, uh, pregame show uh, for college football. There had never been one uh, before we started it with Bino, uh, Lee Corso, and myself. And to see what that thing turned into, and trust me when I tell you, I'm proud of my uh, having been associated with it. Granted, it was not at all the show then that it is now. But everyone has to have a start, and, and we were that. We were the start of it, and I'm proud of that. But, but the period I spent at CBS uh, was incredible in that, A, I'm covering something I grew up uh, knowing and loving and having great passion for. Uh, but I was also working at the Tiffany Network. You know, I, I grew up watching Walter Cronkite, watching – uh, Frank Gleber on the NFL at the Cowboys games and, and, uh, Pat Summerall later, uh, and certainly the great guys that called college football, which, uh, included Vern at that time. Vern, Vern had done some college football for us as well. And, and Brent Musburger is the host of the NFL today. I'm sitting in the same chair that in the same studio that Brent Musburger did the NFL from. So it was such a thrill to be in that position and to have the SEC take off as the dominant conference uh, during that period, winning seven uh, consecutive national championships. I don't know how many one versus two games that Vern and Gary got to do, and I was part of uh, by association in the studio or uh, at the SEC championship on location. Uh, and to have Spencer Tillman, who's still with me now, we started our mm-hmm. 22nd year together. He followed me over a year after I left CBS uh, and joined me at Fox. But that period was, I think, when uh, I hit stride uh, in my career and felt, okay, uh, this is everything that I uh, dreamed of, of doing. And uh, the combination of getting to have that role then, and then play that right into college basketball, play-by-play, uh, through the NCAA tournament, uh, established me uh, at a level that I had always dreamt of, of having. Uh, and, and, and so I'm honored that you'd say that. Uh, and that you look back on that and, and think of my voice uh, and maybe face too is, is uh, uh, the soundtrack of your of your life as a sports fan. That's uh, that's humbling to hear. Uh, but I can tell you this: I've never been happier than I am at Fox, even though I'm not uh, part of the SEC anymore. Uh, I'm finally getting to do what Byrne did, and that is call the games. People would say mm-hmm. to me, "Well, but we, we miss you in the SEC," and I'm like, "Yeah, but on most of those replays that you see on." classic television they don't replay the halftime shows do they <laughs> only the games <laughs> every so, once in a while they so do they I, slip those I, in <laughs> so now it's great for me uh to be a part of a uh, of a network that's invested in college football that wants it for a long long time to be invested in it and you know i'm seeing games now in a part of the world not this year because of the big 10 situation as we speak although that may change in the next week or so we'll see 
but to be doing games at places where I've never been, you know, like until I went to Fox, I'd never been at the Horseshoe, never done a game at the Big House, never done a game at the Rose Bowl, never been to Eugene at Autzen Stadium, and I'm getting to do all of that. So um, I'm blessed. You've been everywhere. You've done it all at this point, studio, sideline, play-by-play. I mean, even one of the games that we were doing, I mean, I think I caught you. It was like early ESPN days back in the day, and you're doing you're doing sideline reporting then as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've done all of those things. Even just within the SEC, you've done that. Now you're getting to do that with Fox and covering a, a lot more, you know, when Pac-12 and Big Ten are in season as well. You're calling those games. But what's what's the single most memorable SEC game you've ever you've ever been doing play by play for, or you've been on the sideline for? And by the way, you can I, I said all SEC games, so you can absolutely <laughs> include 2008 tornado game at the SEC yeah, basketball oh, tournament yeah, if you want. Yeah. Well, imagine last year being told at halftime in the Garden, the world's most famous arena, that uh, a game that you thought when we started would not start, which you know because. In Indianapolis, in Greensboro, uh, and um, in Nashville, they had stopped the conference tournaments. Uh, they didn't play those quarterfinal games. And here we are in New York, and we're playing. So we're the only game going, uh, which I thought was surprising when we started. But it was even more surprising to me that they stopped it at halftime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did. Uh, people have said, God, that was surreal. Uh, what were you thinking? I said, I was thinking... This is the most bizarre thing since the 2008 SEC tournament, doing a quarterfinal game uh, when the Miracle 3, my Mikhail Riley was hit, sending us to overtime. Uh, and without that, who knows what might have happened to that crowd leaving uh, the Georgia Dome. And uh, then the quick turnaround to go to Georgia Tech, of all places, for, of all teams, Georgia, to win an SEC title having won only four conference games all year. That is pretty bizarre. Uh, so to have been involved in both of those, granted that's basketball, but my God, uh, off the charts, you know, incredible. Uh, buzzer beaters during the NCAA tournament are all are off the charts. Uh, doing games with Al McGuire, sending teams to the final four, where a team comes from six points down in the last minute to win, uh, as was the case in 98. Uh, with Stanford beating Rhode Island. That was incredible. But from a football standpoint, Connor, uh, the last year that I was doing the SEC on CBS, everyone remembers the Iron Bowl, certainly, in the kick six. Uh, But the the day before that game, uh, okay, I'm doing LSU-Arkansas, which was traditionally the Friday game of Thanksgiving week. And... uh, Mettenberger gets hurt, and he's in his last year. LSU's trying to win its 10th game again, and they bring this freshman in, Anthony Jennings, and he gets the ball after a punt. from Arkansas is ready to win this game, and they're a prohibitive underdog. is trying to get a much-needed win for his career, and Anthony Jennings comes in, uh, you know, a freshman, and, and certainly when you look back at his career, he was not known for having a great arm. But he completes a bomb uh, to Trayvon Durrell to win the game. Uh, near, you know, at the at the end, the clock is coming down to the end, and LSU pulls out this uh, come from behind win. They go 99 yards without a timeout to win the game. And now I'm being hustled to 
the car and being put in uh, uh, my, my car service, waiting to take me to New Orleans to take a direct flight to New York uh, to turn around and host what would be the highest-rated game of the time, uh, the, the Iron Bowl between Auburn and, and Alabama, and uh, we've got the, the, the kick-six game the next day. Now, think about that 24-hour period uh, for me. <laughs> You know, both in the booth uh, and in the studio, uh, in 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 24 hours, in less than 24 hours, it was it was that was a pretty amazing moment. Um, I'll take you way way back uh, to 1986, and that year was my first year to be on the sidelines. Mike Patrick was calling the play-by-play. CFA football was ESPN's biggest event. They didn't have the NFL. They weren't even close to getting Major League Baseball. It would be 1991 before that would happen. Uh, football came, I think, in 87 for the first time, the NFL. But in 86, 85 and 86, college football uh, lawsuit between, from Georgia and Oklahoma to take away the TV rights from the NCAA had just mm-hmm. happened. And that helped create the opportunity for ESPN to have live college football. Up until that time, they were – running tape delays on Sunday of, of college games, okay, just to have programming. Wild. Uh, and I'm on the sidelines doing uh, a game between Georgia and Auburn, and uh, we didn't start game day until the following year in the studio. But what I didn't know was I was getting an on-air audition uh, by being the sideline guy for these prime time games with Mike Patrick calling the play-by-play, and Pat McAnally was the analyst, an old Harvard receiver who later was a punter slash receiver with the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, they wanted me because they, they wanted to protect Patty had never done television before. And um, back in the studio, an anchor named Larry Burnett and Dino cook did a little 30 minute thing, but they wanted me to open the show from the site. Uh, Sort of a poor man's Costas on a Sunday night game, you know, working with Al Michaels. So I would, uh, I would open the I would open the show, do about five minutes, and send it back to the studio. Then they'd come back to me again before we started the game. And uh, Georgia was a prohibitive underdog. Their starting quarterback uh, had a death in his family and could not make it back, so they had to go with a backup quarterback against an Auburn team that might have been Pat Dye's best team uh, post Bo Jackson. Uh, I mean, they were at Brent Fullwood. You know, they were, I want to say they were ranked number two, maybe, maybe three, but I think maybe, I think they were number two in the country. Georgia had a two loss team. I think they were on their way to a three loss season. Uh, but you know how the Georgia Auburn rivalry is. You just don't know what to expect. Uh, and, and Vince was getting close to the end, but not there yet. And, uh, they wind up winning the game and come from behind fashion. Uh, the game ended. I'm, I'm trying to interview Vince, and uh, we're out at midfield, and a bunch of Georgia fans come onto the field at Jordan-Hare and begin, uh, because it was such a big upset, uh, they begin taking pieces of the field uh, as souvenirs. They storm the field while George is out there, and you could see the crowd uh, hustling around, and it became almost a dangerous situation. And Vince is looking at me like, are you really going to continue asking me questions? <laughs> and, so, and so I could see as he's answering me, his eyes are looking someplace else. 
Well, we, we won the ball game, Tim, and there in the and we're very happy and uh please God don't ask me another question. I mean he's he his face was saying, Please God don't ask me another question. So so I deal. let him go. I said, Thank you, coach. And I let him go and his uh, his uh, state troopers usher him off. As I'm leaving, they turn the um they, they turn on the water system inside Jordan here. So the sprinkler system comes on, and we're all being doused with water. Fans from Georgia are being doused. I'm being doused, and I'm trying to get to the tunnel. And the Georgia fan, the Auburn fans were so upset. Let's just say a, fl- a few bottles were being thrown my way, and I was dodging them, going into one of the portals oh between the hedges. Uh, not between the hedges, but at Auburn. And so... Uh, I barely made it to the uh, to the truck. It just so happened my wife was on the trip with me, and she was back in the truck with the guys and watching all this. And I think she was a little scared as to whether I'd make it back to the to the truck or not. I, I get there, and the scene was just um, unbelievable. I mean, abs- and I was I was huffing and puffing from running, okay, uh, and also hyperventilating because I'd been dodging. You know, bottles of wild turkey and Jack Daniels <laughs> trying to get to the trying to get to the the, the TV truck, and uh, we all wound up a procession on our way out to the uh, uh, to the hotel, telling stories about it as we passed the, the old War Eagle Supper Club in Auburn. Uh, it was just an unbelievable scene, but the kind of scene that, as a young broadcaster, I was only thirty years old then, so I was your age now. Okay, I'm thirty years old. And I was saying to myself, my God, how good is this? How, how, uh, how incredible is it that I just got to do that? Uh, and then the following year is when they, well, actually it was just a, a few months later, they called me up to Bristol and my, my bosses said, you know what? We'd really like you to come up here. And, and I, I left my job in Baton Rouge and, and became a, a full-time ESPN employee. And, and really that's, that's sort of where everything took off. You know, my, my life was, was, was never going to be the same after that. So Tim, uh, a little birdie told me that you're you you like to dance in between breaks during games, and I it's I've seen it. It's the stuff of legend. Is is this the type? Well, I guess the better question is, I, I was going to ask you why why is dancing kind of your go to thing, but now I know. Thirty four years later, you're just happy to be alive. That you didn't get hit by a bottle at Jordan Hare Stadium trying to get out of there. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I've talked about this before. I tweeted about it last week uh, before the, the game uh, with Kansas uh, in Lawrence. Uh, I asked my wife on Thursday, I said, um, what's today's date? And she said, September the 10th. I went, oh, my God, you know, uh, 49 years ago, uh, 1971, I did my first high school game with my father. Uh, my father was a pioneer broadcaster in my hometown. He had a band. We toured sack air bases, and I performed with the band. My 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 sister did too. She's my older sister, she danced. I sang, and you know I could uh, toe tap a little bit uh, with my dad on stage. And so the dancing thing kind of came naturally to me. And uh, adrenaline flow uh, is part of what we do. I I sort of view uh, the profession I'm in. Um, not just that of being a, a broadcast journalist, okay? That, that's, that's the uh, appropriate thing to say, okay? Uh, and, yeah, we have to exercise a great deal of, uh, 
of, of, of journalism to be successful at what we do. Okay. As electronic journalists, we have to do that, but we're also in the performance business. You know, you talked about fans tuning into the game, uh, Connor, and they do, and they don't think about it being a business. They think about it being fun and games. They're tuning in to be entertained, entertain me. Uh, and because of my father's background, who was also a sports writer, who then later became uh, a song and dance man, a crooner, uh, a, a band leader, and uh, a producer of uh, and director of his own TV shows uh, for every age group imaginable, uh, imaginable after the uh, uh, after World War II. Uh, I, I I got it honestly, okay. And to me and to him, uh, every broadcast was a performance, and. Uh, in that performance, you have to bring energy and, and passion. And so a lot of times, just to keep, uh, and this was true, by the way, in the studio, too. I danced in studios just like I, I danced in the booth. Uh, I just feel like everybody that is in the, the room with you, everyone in your midst, your analyst, your your stats person, your, your spotter, I want a positive vibe. I want this is like uh, you're the captain of, a, of an airplane taking a Boeing 737 up into the air, and it's your job to, to take everyone with you and have them be a part of your team. And if you're bringing great energy and passion to your performance, they're going to do the same. To make it, you know, the SEC moniker is it just means more. Well, for me as a broadcaster, uh, I, don't, I don't care the size of the game whether it was last week's game that most people were in bed at halftime by or next week's game when I'm on in prime time or the, or if I'm starting the, the, the day at noon uh, with a game, the most important game going is the game I'm at and uh, in my mind. And it's my job for those that don't feel that it's as, as important. I want to make them feel as though it is. And certainly for those kids playing and the coaches coaching, if they believe that I'm broadcasting that game with that in mind, they're going to respect me a lot more. And um, that's all part of it, you know, bringing a fun vibe, an energetic vibe to the performance. And so uh, I do it uh, to keep everyone loose and maybe to keep myself loose. You know, I, that's, I do take what I do seriously, but I don't take what I do. Uh, I, I mean, I take what I do, but I don't take myself seriously. I think that's important uh, for a long-lasting career. If, if you take yourself um, too importantly, if, you, if, it's, if it's about you, you're missing the boat. But, uh, but if, you, if you take what you do uh, importantly and you say, this is what I'm doing is a really big deal, then people are going to watch it and say, you know what? I didn't know this game was as good or as big of a game, but you know what it is. It's, this game, I've got to watch this game. Well, that's my job as a broadcaster to make people believe that what we're doing here is important. That's a much better answer than, oh, you know, that's usually when the Jack Daniels starts kicking in and I start to feel a little <laughs> bit looser. That's, that's a much, much better answer. Um, so you talk about being in the electronic media now, and you're very active on Twitter. You put out your top 10 the other day, and I, I like that you had the disclaimer saying that you think 
that this is this is the order of finish and not necessarily how they should start because that's a key caveat that I think AP voters right. really don't consider. Um, you love yourself some LSU, and that's a very unpopular take at this point, considering all the turnover <laughs> and you know Jamar Chase, Tyler Sheldon. I know you've had to respond to, to some of the Twitter comments yeah. about that, but talk to yep. talk our listeners into why LSU can finish that high with all that turnover this year. Well, as you know, it's not the first time I've dealt with the old Brandos and LSU Homer routine, right? That's old old news. <laughs> I've been dealing with that all my career. You know, I tell people I'll never apologize for where I'm from. And, yeah, I mean, without LSU and my start in Baton Rouge, uh, who knows, uh, you know, the, the journey I might have traveled to get where I am today. But uh, I've also uh, taken my shots uh, at LSU when appropriate. I just think, and I felt this, you know, there were a lot of doubting Thomases. Think where we are a year ago at this time. Did people think Joe Burrow was going to be anything better than a sixth-round draft pick this yeah. time a year ago? Uh, look what happened. Uh, LSU, and, and I think this is what's in the memory of a lot of the uh, naysayers to my pick of them in the fourth position. You know, Les Miles uh, took LSU to a 13-0 and season, uh, had beaten Alabama at Alabama, had to have a rematch against them, uh, which is still a, a source of great controversy to many an LSU fan. But they got thumped 21 to nothing, helped end the BCS era. Thank God for that. Uh, but it ended it. And the following year, they did not have uh, the, the kind of talent pool ready to go after losing so many uh, great players from that team. I think it was maybe 11 players that started that were gone. They, they could not adequately replace them. Well, that's not true now. Ed Orgeron has recruited his tail off. They knew when they got him, that's what he was going to do. Uh, and now, even though he's lost Joe Brady, he replaced him with Scott Linehan. And he knows this offense extraordinarily well. And Steve Ensminger's gone nowhere, uh, who I think is maybe the most unsung assistant coach in all of college football. Mm. Uh Bo Pelini is returning, and they're converting to a 4-3. Uh, and, and if there's one concern that I have, it may be there, that from a defensive standpoint, adjusting to that might, might take them a while. But here's the deal. Connor, I always do this when I'm doing um, projecting, all right, uh, prognostications. I look at the schedule first. I always look at the schedule first. And the SEC, as only they can, and this is not, to be critical, okay? But there's no conference in the country that cares as much about hoisting the crystal as the SEC does, okay? I've always thought that that was their greatest strength. When Jim Delaney was in charge of the Big Ten, I always thought his number one priority was to make more money than anybody else. And he did, Yep. okay? Mm -hmm. They still cash a bigger check than the SEC. But I never believed that a league wanted to win titles and was desperate to win titles any more than the SEC. So not surprisingly, the revised schedule favors who? The best teams. In order. Bama, LSU, Georgia, in my opinion. Uh, those three teams have been protected. LSU does not have a real challenge, in my opinion, until they go to the swamp in early October. They get right out of the gates, Mississippi State at home, with a brand-new coach. Might be a problem. I know it's the Pirate. We'll see. Then they get, uh, what is it, Missouri Vandy or Vandy-Missouri in order, one or the other. It's very fair. Uh, 
very favorable. So Miles Brennan and all these young guys can get granted with a conference schedule. These are not non-conference cupcakes. But if you were to pick, hand-pick three teams, okay, or four teams, we can leave out Arkansas, who I think is the worst team, okay, but these are the next three that I think I'd most want to play if I'm LSU. And they get them, and, 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 and they have um, two of them at home. So they're, they're not really going to get challenged, in my mind, until they get to October. And then you've got Auburn and you've got Florida on the road. I think they could lose one of those games easily. But if they win the other, it negates the loss. And with 40% of college football not playing, and again, another caveat was I ruled out the Big Ten and the Pac-12 from the right. discussion with this poll. So with 40% of college football's Power Five not playing, then I think we're looking at not just one two-loss team getting in, but maybe even as many as two. And I think if you look further, you'll see five SEC teams in the top eight. Mm. Uh, everyone's going to cannibalize themselves. The Big 12 will, because that leads better than people think. Iowa State, I've got in the six-hole, which I know shocked a lot of people. But I thought they underachieved last year, and I think mm-hmm. they're going to be, with Brock Purdy, a team that can do damage to either Texas or OU. Uh, so I'm using the same principle with Iowa State that I am with LSU, only they're in different roles. Uh, LSU is a team that already knows the road to a championship. Iowa State never gets any respect, even when they've been better than they are now. And it's been a long time since Iowa State was any better than they are now, in my opinion. But that's why I went with LSU where I did. Uh, they also get Alabama at home. Now, the, the Alabama game uh, will not have a crowd, or if it does have a crowd, it'll be a minimal one. But I think that LSU, by that time, this is the best time for a, a new quarterback to be in command. He gets enough reps before the Alabama game to be ready for the chance to win that game. And by the way, Alabama could lose that game and still get in. Mm-hmm. Again, because they're Alabama. Uh, and uh, I think the Georgia-Florida situation is one where I've got Georgia ranked ahead of Florida, but I think Florida right now is better offensively than Georgia is. I just I don't know that Florida can stay that way because their schedule's tougher. Florida's schedule is, in my opinion, tougher than LSU's, Bama's, and Georgia's. Uh, mm-hmm. Georgia's problem for me, Connor, is I just don't see – their offense, making plays when they have to make plays. Uh, Kirby's done a great job recruiting. His defense is always magnificent, always has great backs. Uh, Jake Fromm regressed, I thought, from where he was two years ago to where he was last year. It affected him in the draft. We saw that. Um, But, look, the league is great, and I think it'll be – the top ten will be cluttered at the end with SEC teams. But I think uh, the only two that I think have a chance of getting into the the top four would be Alabama and LSU. Last question here, and it's a big one. It goes back to Iowa State, who, as you said, you have them finishing sixth in the country. You had someone in your mentions say that they will eat a bowl of your poop if Iowa State (laughs) finishes in the top ten. Are you now the world's biggest Iowa State fan? Because I think I am. You know... (laughs) Connor, this is, this is one of the great myths of all fans in college sports, and I mean this sincerely. Uh, 
and I've had this, you know, through the years, especially through our friend Paul Feinbaum, I've had fans, uh, and I, I think people at, at Alabama in this love-hate relationship with me uh, have always respected my work, and I respect them as fans. I really do. But this notion that who I pick plays a role in any rooting interest I might have is one of the funniest damn things I think that I've ever witnessed in life. And it's one of the reasons I frankly love sports, love what I do, uh, because it's fun to see how just giving an opinion or making an observation can ruin someone's life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the way the way I do when I when I make an observation, uh, if I'm wrong and I've got to quote unquote eat the crow, I wouldn't eat the other stuff you were talking about. Yeah, nope, don't eat blame me. Crow, and by the way, I've happened. I've eaten it a lot of times. I've been wrong, and and I think America loves it when a guy admits he's wrong. That's one of the problems we have with our politicians today. They don't ever want to admit when they're wrong. Uh, I think I think people really like you more uh, as a sports broadcaster if you're willing to say when you're wrong. I couldn't care less, uh, you know, how it ends. But I'm always I always find it entertaining when people get riled up thinking, you know, in the middle of a Saturday, it's late in the third quarter and this team is hammering that team, and someone's you know looking through frozen you know the the frozen takes or uh, old tweets, how this tweet didn't age that well, and that, that, that that's part of their psyche when watching a college football game. Uh, it's a myth to think that a broadcaster uh, has to have all of his predictions come true for him to be fulfilled. You know, I do that for fun. And, you know, I had a radio show for 15 years nationally. I started doing it there. Uh, I gave up the radio show because my schedule was such when I started calling games at Fox that it wasn't as easy to pull off as when I was in the studio primarily uh, at CBS. But I, I, I do it just for fun. I pick games on the weekend just, just for fun. You know, I get paid to, to call games, uh, not to make predictions. So it really doesn't bother me one way or the other. But, but if it makes fans have more fun, either because they're taking great joy in me being wrong or because of the fact that their team just happens to be winning and the team I thought might be better is losing, then so be it. it it's, uh, it's one of the things about uh, what we get to do for a living that, that makes you feel blessed at the end of the day. I'll tell you what, that's all well and good. You're 100% right. I will, I will happily root for Iowa State on behalf of both of us <laughs> just so that troll has it coming. <laughs> My goodness gracious. Tim, this has been a lot of fun. We're definitely going to have to bring you on mid-season. Maybe we're going to be talking about college football in a much different way uh, when we're when we're kind of in the thick of it, where we have a feel for how teams are going to be quarantined and all that different stuff. Uh, but would love to have you back on mid-season to kind of discuss how all of this is going. So appreciate your time, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk real soon. Well, thanks, Connor, and I really appreciate uh, what you do uh, every day, and particularly with your site and uh, the respect that you've shown uh, me through the years. It's not, you know, I can always tell uh, it said moment in said season. Uh, Brando said this; you're all over it, and uh, and I and I really do appreciate the pub. It's always nice to have. Absolutely, Tim. We'll we'll talk again real soon, and uh, best of luck with uh, calling college football in this very, very weird year. 
All right, buddy. All the best. You too. Take care. All right, man. Bye-bye. Appreciate Tim for coming on, talking about a lot of different things. Did not think I would ask Tim Brando about someone eating his poop, but it's 2020, you know? Embrace the weird, as I keep saying. Bucket list. <laughs> we have some thoughts about the Big Ten. And I know there are people that are listening to this and they're saying, man, y'all have talked about pretty much any every other Power Five conference, including the Fun Belt, except the SEC. There's just a lot going on with other conferences right now, and I promise you yeah. we will have no shortage of SEC stuff. We are less than two weeks away from the start of the season. We're going to continue to get into more and more SEC stuff yeah. later in the week as well. And we have some playoff picks and stuff that we're going to get to, and a, an opt-out that I think is evident of a, a certain trend that's happening in the SEC. But first about the Big Ten. This weekend, we see all these headlines come out on the same exact weekend that Power 5 football is being played. We see that the Big Ten is apparently getting momentum to play this fall. So, you know what this is kind of like? And I'm going to let you go off in a minute here. Yeah. But this is like, there's there's this girl who's into a guy, but he's he's really non-committal, right? I mean, everybody can kind of relate to this. Maybe you've been in a situation like this, one of your buddies has, whatever. He's like, ah, I don't really want to be tied down. The easy thing for him to do is to just keep things casual. He's like, ah, I'm not sure how my buddies would treat this. I don't know if I want to be the, the guy who's like bringing a girl home to his family, whatever. So then the girl's She's like, crazy, hey. crazy, dude. We're just friends. Like, I don't, I mean, y'all are engaged, whatever. dude. Yeah. So then the girl is like, hey, what, what are we? What's, what's the deal with this? Are, are we in a relationship? Are we not? The guy says basically all those things and tries to just be like, yeah, I'm just not looking for anything, you know, too serious right now. Works and crazy right now, dude. Probably yeah, works, I'm sorry, works crazy. On. It's got a lot going on. And the girl's like, all right, I'm done. The girl then immediately starts dating someone else and the guy is sitting there like, I regret that 100%. He's jealous. He starts stalking her on IG. That guy is the Big Ten right now. Yeah, that, that is exactly what the Big Ten is because the Big Ten did not expect to see that girl move on without him. It, there's just no way that they foresaw this past weekend happening. And now that girl's happy. That girl's playing Power 5 football. And the Big Ten can't handle it. Let's call it what it is. That's the only reason all of this yep. stuff is happening. So what I said this Saturday was this is exactly like a breakup where, where, where the Big Ten did this. Like the Big Ten is the breakupper. Right, like they are the ones who's like, yeah, oh no, man, like, like, and then and then hid behind some facade of that's like, where oh, like you know, I like like I said, like, and I've used this a thousand times because I used to be a terrible dirtbag, but it was like, works crazy right now. That's why I haven't had the respect enough to to be a man or a, you know, like to call you and, and be a respectful person to you and your feelings. Terrible. That's what the Big Ten's doing, and then all of a sudden is like watching their snap stories, watching their IG stories, liking different pictures, whatever. And it's like, bro, you did this. You did this. And, and, and here's, here's my issue with it. I think that example is perfect. It's way better than the example I gave for that other thing earlier in the bachelor party. <laughs> <laughs> you know when your bros want to get a cabana and you're like, you know, let's split yeah, Basically, I was just like, you know when you're broke, Connor, and you still want to ball out? But anyway, no, like the Big Ten, it tried to do this whole thing of where, again, I don't feel sorry for the Big Ten. I feel sorry for their players to an extent, but I don't. I don't feel sorry for Minnesota when they had to go through the whole BS thing about it. they lost lost four four different sports. That quarterback that came out was like, "Yeah, our our conference is doing the right thing." 
your conference is the only one that tried to make a power play multiple times this offseason. And then it, it came back and backfired. And I tell you what, like, you know, you know what honestly I thought about the Big Ten this weekend? You know, you know what my first thought about the Big Ten was this weekend? Not a damn thing. Because I was watching other teams play football for the third straight week, Connor. For the third straight weekend. And we sat here over, like, Dustin Schutte, a guy who does phenomenal work for us on the Saturday tradition side, he said this a couple weeks ago. He said, there's an FCS team. There are two FCS teams playing this weekend. Why, why did the Big Ten need to say three weeks before that that we couldn't do it? You sat there, and, and you tried to make a stand, and you embarrassed yourselves. And, and here's the thing, man. If you guys want to have a season, fine. F it. Like, go have a season. I don't give a shit at this point. Go let Northwestern play Purdue at 11 a.m. I'm not going to watch it anyway. If you want to have a season so Ohio State has a chance to win a national title, and I get that. And that's a big part of this. And, and I get that because Ohio State, I said this before the season, I thought they had the best chance besides maybe Clemson, one of those two teams, not a team from the SEC, I thought had the best chance of winning the, the national title, especially with these conference-only schedules. I don't care if your team is going, if, you're, if your conference is going to play. But I'll tell you what's not going to happen or what shouldn't happen, in my opinion, and if I was overseeing all this, I wouldn't allow it to happen because it's so... I'm so over this, I'm just going to say it because I'm going off, this of, of everything that's happening with them is you're, you're not going to sit here and try to have a power move where you force the hand of every single conference and every team, every, every player. Like you, you almost single-handedly railroaded and, and ruined the entire football season because of your own dumb like you guys, are the this is the only reason we almost didn't get football. I'm so heated right now. You almost didn't get football, and all of these teams would have been canceled because of you and your ineptness. Think about that. Like, like just because of one conference being inept to how they were handling this, and now, three weeks into a season that has started, one week into the Group of Five seasons that I mean, so the Power Five season that has started, you're gonna say that we might start football. We're gonna start at October 17th, three weeks after. Get the out of here with this like this is outrageous that you are still even trying to get in our mentions and trying to be a part of something that you tried to ruin and said that you not only did it and said like hey you know what we're not going to play but then you did it by like this absolute bs facade of arrogance of like oh we know so much more than you guys exactly. and we are we are so smarter than you guys and these people in the south don't know what like get you like you should have to sit out like at this point play your season i don't care but I am not going to sit here, and I don't think the NCAA or anyone should allow this to be like, okay, that's fine. Go play your season. Crown a Big Ten champ. It usually doesn't mean blank anyways. But you do not get to be a part of the college football playoff because of all the things you've already done. Like, in the same way that I wouldn't expect to be invited. Even if I had smoothed things over after a breakup, I wouldn't want to be invited to somebody's wedding. You know what I mean? Like no that, exes that's, at weddings. That, Can't do it. No. Like, so at the same time, like, you know what? Y'all got to sit this one out. Like, I get it. We're cool. You, you guys messed up. Acknowledge it, apologize, move on. We'll see you next year. But you do not get to come back and play these stupid. Like this is like high school Harry BS of, oh, I don't know, man. We're thinking about playing. Like no, you're not. No, you're not. You know, Connor, when I was when I was playing on that stupid travel team before, they or like a couple years after I re-signed up and I was playing again. The tennis um, team. On, on a different tennis team, and I remember. <laughs> I didn't really like doing it, and I was playing baseball. And I, I remember we had practice every Sunday at 5. And this is like before internet and all that kind of stuff or text. So it was just like, hey, you have practice at 5. And I just stopped going because I didn't want to play anymore. And I remember running into my coach up there, and I was like, hey, man, good to see you. And I was like, I, was like, I don't know, 10, 11. And I was like, my, my, I might be at practice next week. And he's like, pulled me aside. He's like, let me tell you how a team works. And let me tell you how like being accountable works. And like, you don't get to just 
say you're going to do something and then think like, oh, yeah, that's allowed because of whatever reason. Like you were selfish in how you handled it. And I was. It was, a, it was an important lesson at an early age. The Big Ten needs to learn that lesson. Like you've handled this the worst way possible. It affected so many people that, yeah. that it shouldn't have. And, and then it, it, like, again, I think about and I don't, I don't feel like I'm being dramatic when I say this, but think about the impact this could have had on all of college football and all of the college football student athletes across the country and programs that could have been shut down because of the negligence of the Big Ten not doing their due diligence, not doing their like enough to educate themselves and strictly doing something out of out of a power move to try to force the hand of everyone else. That is unbelievable that we would allow that. The Every first. single person in that administration in the Big Ten should be fired immediately in my opinion. Every single one of them. Think about, think about what could have happened. Think about all the programs that would have had to do away with like entire sports programs. Maybe their football program. All of it. Because the Big Ten was being that selfish. Because they didn't want to communicate. Get, I mean, get out of here with that. There are programs that have been shut down as a result of this. And that it, it sucks to see the byproduct of that. And the, the thing that's, that's frustrating is that it's not that... It's not that the Big Ten went about this in a way that... It was clear and obvious from the jump. But now we're at the point where they're talking about having this season. And who knows? Like, maybe they're voting on this as we're talking about this. But Maryland and Wisconsin had to shut down workouts because of a spike in cases. And they're not even, like, that's worse than what they were dealing with at the time when they actually canceled the season. So if you're wondering about the timing of this, the timing of this is all because they were watching Power 5 football over the weekend. And they realized, oh, crap, this this whole spring football thing actually isn't going to work. Just as people have been saying for the longest time. And I don't know how much of this is salvageable at all because you're already seeing at places like Ohio State where Wyatt Davis opted out and Sean Wade opted out and those guys are potential first round picks and who knows who's going to follow as well just because the Big Ten continues to drag its feet on this but it's like just okay, vote I, like yeah instead of instead of continuing to leak it that you're thinking about voting and that you have a lot of momentum to vote right either what, vote like, or don't like that's 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 the point that we want to get to and die. and so you know, I wanted to talk about playoff picks today, and it was interesting because there was this belief that the Big Ten was going to want to have this season because it wants to be able to have an eight and zero Ohio State team in the playoff. Let's call it what it is. Mm-hmm. That's if you're telling if you're telling yourself that's not at the forefront of, of this, then I think you're lying to yourself because getting that playoff money and getting that oh. exposure is a big big deal. And there's and a having reason a team why that can actually win it, like to exactly. legitimately win it. That's a part of this. And so now it's like, okay, well, if the Big Ten has this eight-game schedule or something like that, would an eight-no Ohio State team even be worthy of of getting to getting one of these four spots while other teams are are playing more games and they had started earlier? What are they going to look like at that point? How many more opt-outs will Ohio State have? How many more opt-outs will there be in the Big Ten? And who knows what kind of competition they're facing? I say all of this because the Big Ten, whether it has a fall season or not is still just looking awful at every single turn. And that's a hard thing to do 
But, yeah. man. <laughs> At some point, you have a redeeming quality, right? And it, we, we still have just not quite seen the end. There are people that are like, oh, it's so dumb that the Big Ten parents were protesting and stuff like this. Yeah, what? It's like, if the Big Ten had just accepted this decision, or if all their, you know, the fans and administration, and if there weren't people like Ryan Day and James Franklin getting up on college game day and speaking out against the league and saying that we believe that we can safely play, if there wasn't this resistance, would the Big Ten be, even be talking about this decision to return to play? No. They wouldn't care. But it's the fact that all these other things have happened and because the fact that there are other Power Five conferences in action that they're like, oh, yeah, it's this selfish. looks really bad it's, on us now. It's purely out of selfish reasons. Like, it, like, And again, I think I think the, the talk and dangling the carrot in front of people, I assumed just me being, well, not an eternal optimist, but like just <laughs> me, being, <laughs> me being optimistic and like tr- thinking, thinking, better way to put it, thinking that, as you said, they wouldn't continue to make the wrong decision at every single point, right? I just kind of assumed that, well, yeah, there's no way they would say they con- they're might play after definitively saying they're not going to play. Like, that would be weird to to say that and have kids and, and coaches and, and parents get all excited about it and fans and then not do it, and then they've continued to do that. It, I don't. I just, listen, going out to dinner on Saturday night can be a chore. I, I saw a tweet the other day, somebody saying, like, it's all being a grown-up is, or being married is, is just asking what do you want for dinner and then being indecisive about it for like three hours every single night. And there's a lot of truth in that. Decisions aren't hard, guys. They're, they're outside, of, outside of food and maybe you trying to negotiate this new house thing. This, this decision's not hard. Are you going to play football or not? None of We don't care, man. We've all moved on. We are in healthy relationships with unhealthy football teams now, okay? Like, I am, I am ready to yell at my TV over all different things besides you being indecisive and, and, and straddling the fence or whatever like it just it I don't I feel like I hope that other fans kind of feel the same way not saying that my opinion needs to be right but just I hope that other fans feel the same way because what they're doing is so unfair to the players to like, the coaches even and, and to the fans and you talk about a spike in numbers of course it, it I would assume it'd probably get worse because if you're telling me at a, a college student at the beginning of a semester you're not gonna have a football season you're good like you can go out, you can, like you don't have to take the same protocols. You know what? Especially after the frustrating news of not having a season, I'm probably going out. Like I'm, I'm probably going to go out and be around some people. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and be quarantined by myself for however long, hoping you guys make the right decision. It's just, it's so bad. It's just so bad. For what it's worth, they've accepted our offer on the house. We still got to go through inspection. We still got to go through. Closing yeah. and all those different things Closing. as well, yeah. which that's Tough. like that's like a month and a half away. So I didn't want to like you heard that. Yeah. nothing is real, <laughs> nothing is like official until it's keys in hand, yeah. like all that stuff. But just want to get make a sure picture with one of them giant keys. They, they don't make mm-hmm. them for the doors, it's but true. like make sure you say, "Man, I'm gonna need to get a bigger door." Yes, to get to get the giant yeah. key to fit in there. That you door. go. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk playoff picks. There is a belief that in a year like this. That second team is going to come from the SEC. I'm on board. I'm on yeah. board. That that the SEC is going to have two teams in the college football playoff, and you would assume that the ACC winner and the Big 12 winner will also get in there. I've got seeds. I've got that. Not a lot of people are willing to give out seeds, but I'm going to give seeds <laughs> for a reason because it's going to justify kind of what I'm going to say later. All right. So I've got number one seed being Clemson. Yep. Running the table. A one-loss Alabama team that wins the SEC championship, I have as the two seed. I have Oklahoma as the three seed. I know, this is real riveting stuff, a lot of groundbreaking stuff. 
I have Florida as the four seed getting into the playoff. So Florida as the four seed, I have said before that I don't think we're going to want to see, I don't think the college football playoff is going to set up a rematch of a conference championship game for a playoff semifinal. It's a bad look. It just kind of says, hey, we didn't really care about the game that just happened. We're just going to reschedule that. I think it's bad for the concept of college football, trying to make every game sound important. So I realized that Alabama and Florida could be playing each other in an SEC championship and then could theoretically both get into the playoff. Florida would get in there with two losses, and Georgia would be on the outside looking in at 9-1. We're we're making playoff picks right now. This is like, it's getting real. It's getting real. It's getting real. Okay. But I put Bama as that two seed and Florida as the four seed, meaning that you would see Clemson, Florida in that semifinal matchup, and then Alabama, Oklahoma. Bama would be the team that would get to, to beat Oklahoma in the semifinal and inevitably, you know, have a really good showing against a future first round quarterback or something like that. That would be okay. it would be Bama's turn to be able to do that against Oklahoma. So I do have two SEC teams getting in. Marler, I'm curious if you have gotten to this point yet where you can officially make a playoff prediction. Yeah, I just looked up my Phil Steel, so I'm ready to go. Oh, which is totally like current yeah. cur- current information that <laughs> with all the opt-outs and everything with the yeah. paper edition. Yep. Um so Connor picked Clemson, Bama, Oklahoma, and Florida. That sounded like I really just hated on Phil Steele. I didn't mean for it to come off like yeah, that. Did, really. Sorry, I'm like, sorry. Yeah. My bad. Wow, what a just a trash bag hey, of he's information. The he's the goat. I'll, um, I'll say it. How many words do you think are in that damn thing? Oh, it's more than I can count to. Yeah. Um, okay. Clemson, one. Are you ready for this? No, give me a minute. All right, I'm good. Texas. Ooh, I almost did that too. (laughs) I almost did Um, that too. Texas returning 16 starters and having nine on defense. I've seen this from Oklahoma every year. I get it. Like, we do this every year. Jalen Hurts did it last year against Houston and the UCLA or whatever it was. Spencer Rattler, he may be great. I, I don't know. I've seen this from Oklahoma every year. Texas beats Oklahoma. Texas at the two spot. That's um, bold. <laughs> actually, hold on. I'll say Texas at three, my bad. Two. Didn't you put Texas in the playoff two years ago and two then they lost ago, to Maryland yeah. in the week one? Yeah. Yes, that did happen. Um, but this year, they're already 1 0. So Good point. What can go didn't, wrong? Didn't have to face Maryland. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have made that pick in week two, mm-hmm. you know, a couple years ago. Um, also picked the national championship that year, so thank you Sick for that. Sick brag. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, number one, Clemson. Let me, let me go back here for a second. Number two, Georgia. You have number two, Texas. You just said number two, Texas. I'm moving Texas to three because the SEC team is not – whoever wins the SEC championship, which I believe to be Georgia, is not going to be behind a Big 12 champion. One, Clemson. Two, Georgia. Three, Texas. Got it. Four, Alabama. All right. Bama's going to beat Georgia in the regular season. Georgia will finally get over the hump and beat Bama in the SEC championship game because they mm. have to. Okay. Um, there you go. I think Bama wins a national title. That's boring. I got Clemson winning a national title. Gosh, we have, Even we more have as a podcast, we have collectively hedged <laughs> so well. So well, just to cover all of our podcasts. No, I, here's the thing, man. I, like... And I get, I get the Florida hype. I love, love Dan Mullen's record there. I love the stuff you brought up about him going up against these, um, these uh, first-year offensive coordinators. And l- listen, guys, a lot of you have said I've hated Georgia, and that's wrong for the most part. But I'll, I'll admit this. Yeah, I would rather see Florida. I live in Georgia. I have my whole life. 
I can't imagine what they're going to do to this state if Georgia wins a national title or beats Bama. Like, that is going to be a miserable day for, for me and my mentions. Like, and it's going to happen. It's going to happen at some point. So, yeah, yeah, I would probably, for my own sanity, enjoy Florida being in. I just I don't see who's going to put – Who's going to put up points against that defense? I just can't. I can't see it. They- Sorry, I didn't mean. To, I didn't mean to interrupt. No. Just, just understanding this. So you got Clemson then beating Alabama in the semifinal. Yeah. I you guess. did not sound very enthused with that. Yeah. I mean, I just. Yeah, I'm not. I don't, I'm not yeah. enthused about that. I mean, like, I just, I just look at this Clemson team, and, and I saw what that defensive line did this weekend. And maybe Bama's great. Like maybe Bama's great. Maybe this is just the eight and two or the eleven and two season wearing on me, and just just the the depths of despair of, of a dynasty being dead after losing two games by combined eight points to teams that were ranked in the top ten. Maybe maybe all of that has finally gotten to me, and, and I'm just I'm over. Maybe I don't think Bama's going to win anymore. I don't know. I I will say that Clemson, with everything they have and a chip on their shoulder, scares me a lot. Um, and what he's been able to recruit at, or how he's been able to recruit. I don't know, give me, give me a week, man. I'll talk myself back into Bama. Like, I, don't, right. I mean, just, okay. just that offensive line, whoo! Offensive line might be the best in the country. I might have been wrong about the Tennessee thing that Cade Mays is out. There's, there's talent everywhere. Yeah. That defense is going to be, besides the secondary, which should be a concern, that, that defense is going to be so much better than last year. I agree 100%. And I kind of think that everything in 2020, despite the fact that there's just been bizarre things that have happened, has really been balancing Alabama's way. And that's what I keep coming back to. But Alabama and Florida, I think things have yeah. balanced well for both of those teams. And this this news that we got over the weekend that Jamon Ospin has opted out, the leading receiver for Texas yeah. A&M. That sucks, man. It's a bummer. Very skilled player. Somebody that Kellen Mom was going to rely on a lot. And that was that after the, they already lost Courtney Davis and Kendrick yeah. Rogers. So you're, now you're talking about AM having to replace its top three receivers from last year. The return, the true freshman breakout tight end, Jalen Watermeyer, who I'm very high on as well. But that that's another just another thing where you're like, oh, man, like that's, that's a tough loss. They lost Elijah Blades as well in the secondary, who's going to be a starting quarterback. And we already know about the opt-outs at LSU and Jamie Newman at Georgia. Bama hasn't had a player opt-out yet. Don't and start. Don't start. No, don't I, start. Don't, all I'm this saying. This is what you do. Don't start. All I'm God, saying. Mother. All I'm saying. It's just, it looks like with all the things that have happened in 2020, when last year, at this time last year, we're talking about Bama is getting ready to start four true freshmen in the front seven. At this point last year, they had already suffered season-ending injuries to Dylan Moses, to to Trey Sanders, to Josh McMillan, all three of those guys. And then they lose LeBron Ray in the season opener, and Terrell Lewis is getting banged up. And just all these things are kind of like... On top of losing Quentin Williams, top five pick in the draft. as well. And I just kind of wonder how much differently we're talking about Alabama yes. this offseason where you have – you actually retain you retain Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. And you're able to to not lose a big-time coordinator like what LSU dealt with and LSU having nine underclassmen declare for the NFL draft. Meanwhile, Alabama returned four guys who could have easily gone to the NFL and instead come back on their preseason All-Americans. Yeah. Preseason, preseason All-Americans, preseason first-round draft picks. Yeah. We're talking about Najee Harris, guys, yeah. Devontae Smith, Alex Leatherwood. And then Dylan Moses as well. So, like, I just kind of look at all those things, and I'm starting to wonder, Bama and Florida, 
it just seems like everything is kind of bouncing their way with the uncontrollables. Yeah. And if they can avoid that landmine, that big landmine, are they on a collision course to face off in the SEC championship? I tell you what, man, it's it's interesting to, to see that. And, and again, I, I'm just going to have to be – nobody at this point is going to talk me out of Georgia's defense. There's so much you can talk me out about their offense. and talk hey, I agree. With Florida, but just that defense, and I hate to sound like a broken record, like I, you know, but – I'll say this. It's so interesting to me how quickly narratives can change. And 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 as somebody that has a job in media where we have, we have to find talking points. You have to find stuff. And it's like, you know, I, I don't think it's anything as blatantly dumb and knee-jerk reaction as, like, first take where it's like, is who is it? Are the Bucks better without Giannis? Like I don't know. <laughs> why are we talking about it? There's and why can't we games. say his name right? He's a two-time yeah. MVP. Call him what Giannis. What is wrong with this, man? So I will say this though. The, the amount of stuff about about how it's it's an excuse that Saban gives that he has too much turnover at coaches. But then also, four months before that, it's like, is it finally starting to catch up with him? Coaches don't want to be around him. I, this narrative can change so quickly. That 2017 team, people forget this, that 2017 team that lost to Auburn, they, they played that Auburn game with four starting linebackers out. <laughs> like four. Four from, from the start of the year. Like, Keith Holcomb was a linebacker against Mississippi State. Keith Holcomb was like a below-average left fielder for Bama, like, let alone being a starting middle linebacker. So they were still able to win the national championship that year. I, I think you go from, again, how quickly narratives can change. 14-0, maybe the best team ever, which they obviously weren't, and they played Clemson and get blown out. That revolving door and, and, and just of, of drama that was happening with, who's the guy I hate so much? The old quarterbacks coach looks like Chris Wright. Um, went to Miami. Danny Enos. Danny Nose, and then uh, Gaddis from Michigan, Mike Loxley, all of them having one foot out the door and wanting to leave while you're still trying to play for a national championship. I think that kind of stuff hurts you. And I think that if, if Bama stays healthy this year, they return. I've said this all offseason. It's not the returning starters. It is the fact they have two potential first-rounders that came back to play a season, and now you have four potential first-rounders starting the year uh, just on offense. I, I think – it is. It says so much more. They have nine of ten on-field coaches returning. Nine of ten, and they That's have rare. both coordinators returning. And I, I think That's that, rare. like, if if he is able to somehow get to this gauntlet of a season, somehow survive another year of not losing to any assistants, and wins a national title, I know for me, I will look back on this no longer as man. As you can see the cracks in the foundation when they lost to Clemson. Blah blah. blah. It'll be like you know what. They lost the national championship because Lane Kiffin left 11 days prior to playing a national championship game. We had to start a brand new OC during that game. They lost the next one with kind of the same BS. And like when you have continuity, and, and like especially from a staff perspective, I, I just wonder how different the narrative will be again about saving in the dynasty if that happens. And that's a big if. Avoiding the landmines. It's going to be the key for 2020. I think Bama and Florida so far, more than any programs who are contending in the SEC, have been able to do that. We will see if that continues. Even Florida Stadium goes up on fire. We're talking about a stadium Ooh. on fire. Yeah. Florida, <laughs> Florida social media spins it into a positive, and you see all the fire emojis that are tweeting out from Dan yeah. Mullen and, and Scott Strickland and stuff, and it's like, yeah, that place is going to be on fire no matter what this fall, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, That's hot. That was my joke. That, yeah, that's people are like, <laughs> how is it? How is it? How is the dumpster on fire while it's raining in the state of Florida? I'm like, 
Boy, if you think that's weird in Florida, you've seen nothing. You've seen nothing in the state. Can we talk real quick, real quick about just the SEC as a whole? I have something to bring up. ESPN FBI, which I know we don't put a lot of stock into. We'll, we'll spend like Saw two minutes Auburn on. was at number four on okay. that. Okay, and so this is what I wanted to talk about. So the ESPN FBI, which is a predictor model of what the best teams in the country are. And, and let me start by saying at least the week after and the week after that, I think, like two weeks after LSU beat Bama, Bama was still somehow ranked ahead of LSU. So I don't put that much stock into it. But it is something – that is fairly accurate it's for a, a lot of things. Great disclaimer right before you're about to talk. Yeah, about it. like, but like <laughs> I just well, I just because it confuses me, and I'm like, yeah. what the hell is FPI? And all the numbers, it's a lot of math and stuff like that. But let me just, I want to throw this out there because these are numbers that people are going to use and reference a lot looking into the season, like especially when we watch college game day and stuff like that. So they came out with their latest top 25, and there were eight teams in the in the conference ranked in the top 25 um, after week two. So here's what they were: there was Bama two. Georgia 3, Auburn 4, LSU 5, Florida 7, Texas A&M 10, Kentucky 17, Ole Miss at 23. Hmm. And then you look at the other teams. This is where all the other teams were ranked. Tennessee was 26, South Carolina 30, Mizzou 36, Arkansas 40, Mississippi State 45, <clears throat> Brandon Walker, 61, Vandy. So, Did you have a cough there? Yeah, I was just trying to get some crap out of my throat. Um, so there you go. Right. I, so... I thought I thought this was interesting. I want to hear your take on it briefly. Um, I was most surprised by Auburn being at four. I'll, I'll admit, I was pleasantly surprised at Ole Miss being in the top twenty-five. I thought that was pretty cool. And and where all these other teams are ranked outside of Andy? I think there's a lot of optimism for Ole Miss because of the production that they return, especially on the offensive side of the ball. There is a belief that they could stomach. Uh, an injury to a starting quarterback and be yeah. okay. There's an injury that they can stomach. There's a belief that they can stomach an injury to a running back and they mm. could be okay because they have both J- Jerry and Ely and Snoop Connor. And I just kind of think that Ole Miss with Lane is something that people people are are already believing that they actually have legitimate weapons and it's not like Lane has to rebuild those weapons and yeah. they're a little bit more established. And that combination with the fact that they lost SEC games by an average of four and a half points last year is part of that. It right. has to be. Yeah. I have major questions about Ole Miss's defense. I ranked them as my worst SEC defense this year. I, like, I, I understand that there are definitely issues there, but I think that it's banking on that offense being really, really good. I mean, really good and taking off into a level that it wasn't at last year because I know they have the number nine rushing attack in the country. But as a whole, the offense still wasn't a dynamo. It was good at times, but at the same time, it wasn't a good enough offense to bail them out of some of those situations against yeah. elite teams. It just wasn't going to be the case. But they lost a lot of close games, and maybe there's a belief that there could be some regression to the mean. I got in trouble with Iowa State saying that there was going to be some regression to the mean with all the close, fluky losses that they had last year. But I think that the FPI is probably accounting for some of that. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I, th- I think that, yeah, I, I, you know, they should have beat Cal. They should have beaten Mississippi State. There's a should have beaten Memphis too, probably. Yeah, I don't know about that, but well, it's I mean, fifteen to eleven. Fifteen to ten. Oh, fifteen to ten. It's My a bad. Little League World Series score. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, it's a lacrosse <laughs> yeah, score. I, yeah, right. I yeah, I, I think I, it just it excited me because. And this, this is, like, something that I've joked around a lot, but it's like, man, it, and we just talked about the college football playoff. It gets so boring. It's like Georgia, Bama, Oklahoma, 
Clemson, rinse, repeat, all that kind of stuff. I'm excited to see where these other SEC schools like Kentucky, like Ole Miss, like Tennessee, um, and I keep saying it, like Arkansas and South Carolina even, where I think that they could really be it, like at the end of the season and it'd be better than we kind of initially thought. And, and it's, it'll also, also be interesting to me to see how much of this is wrong because of these perceptions we've built up from the season before. And we're all guilty of it. Like, it's just like, you know, like what we saw that they were last year, like, they're going to be great. They saw they were going to be last year, they're going to be trash. And there's, 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 the truth is always somewhere in the middle. So I think it'll be interesting to see. Well, at least with like, that's what my mom always tells me about politics. So I was going to say, true. I was going to say, I wonder how much of that is, is predicated to on returning starting quarterback or just having yep. significant experience at that, which Georgia at this point doesn't necessarily have, but maybe yep. if they're accounting for JT Daniels to be the guy, I don't know. Um, um, real quick, too, before we sign off, I, I want to apologize for saying the word politics because I know some people get mad about just you said just the, the P word. Yeah, so like we're not, we're, I don't, I won't, I don't want anyone to get confused. We are not talking politics. We just said the word politics. So please feel free to not get upset about that. All right. <laughs> On that fine note, <laughs> Petty Labelle at it again. Sign us off, Connor. Lovely. We're gonna have a lot more SEC stuff coming up real, real soon here. Um, I hope everybody's been enjoying Crystal Ball series and all that we did with that as well. We have great stuff on Saturday Down South right now. As I always say, Michael Bratt and Adam Spencer, they crush it with our news team. Chris Wright is editing like a million stories yeah, a day. He's killing it. John Cooper as well, just like wakes up at 5.30 in the morning and just starts cranking out news stories. I, I kid you not when I say our, our team is just all over the place and you should be following all things Saturday Down South right now. I say that a lot. I cannot emphasize it enough. Follow Saturday Down South on Twitter at SDS. Follow all of our news stories at SEC Football. Make sure that you're following us on Instagram at SDS there. Marler, we're less than two weeks away from SEC Football. It, yeah, man. Does it feel like 12 it? days. Yes, it does. I don't know. You better hop on board, bro. No, I, I'm saying I, I almost feel like I'm like getting ready for this weekend. I, I, like yeah. It doesn't feel like it's that far away. I'm pissed that it's another weekend away, but I, I tell you what, man, I thought about this today, and I, I just, I, there was a, a, a woman in a Range Rover that had an Auburn decal, and uh, no offense to Auburn fans, but had an Auburn decal, and she, she turned into Starbucks in a do not enter sign, did a UE, and tried to cut me in line. And Connor, <laughs> the words that flew out of my mouth at this, this poor innocent woman, they should tell you it was ready for football season. I'll just say that. I'm, just, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. Might mean too much. <laughs> that's the most important thing to remember as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's fair. Talk to you guys soon.